So everyone liked last week's podcast. Nice to know. I think you guys dig when we drink. Let me know. I'm going to do a call-in podcast in a couple weeks uh, at All Things Comedy where you guys can call in. Uh, I'm planning that, but I got a, I got a bunch of stuff coming up first. Um, the 8th and 9th of July, I'm in Columbus at the Funny Bone. The 22nd, 23rd, 24th, I'm in Hartford. If I'm not mistaken, on the 13th, I'm in Calgary with Ari Shafir. No, on the 14th. 14th, we're in Calgary at Yucks. It's me. It's a it's a big group of us. We're doing one show. We're just going up to go hang out at Stampede, and then we're doing a live podcast. So I'll probably release that the week after. And then when I'm in Hartford, and then I think I'm not, I don't know if we've closed the deal or not, but I think I'm in Montreal the week after that, the 25th, 26th, 27th, 28th. I told you I was focusing on stand-up. Did you think I was lying? Did you think I was lying? Um, Funny Bone, Sacramento, or Syracuse, Syracuse, stand-up live in Phoenix, Kansas City Improv, Toledo, Albany, Philly, Comics, Gotham, Dayton, Baltimore, Tampa, Morty's, Fort Lauderdale, and that's my year. I think I got a New Year's date uh, coming up that I'll announce soon. But that's it. Yeah, uh, today's podcast is a good one. It's a really good one. Uh, we did not drink. Why didn't we drink? <laughs> because honestly, uh, the guy I have on today. Well, why don't I just say his name? I'm, it's this is old stand up habit. Was that I don't want to say his name until the end. But you already know who it is, and that's why you downloaded it. Uh, he had one did one of the probably one of the strongest podcasts I've ever heard. It's on Ari Shafir's Skeptic Tank. It is episode one eighty nine. Uh, I only say that because go back and listen to that. I've never like the thing I've, I've and I've known him for a while, but the thing I fell in love with him about was that his just fucking brutal honesty. Like literally just, it was like sheer nudity when it came to the truth. And I think I strive for that. I think I, I dodge it sometimes because honesty comes back to bite you in the ass. But I mean, it's no hint to anyone. I'm a big drinker and that's what we talked about. We talked about boozing. We talked about it. I think the whole podcast, we talked about stand up. We talked about it's this is a really great podcast. I really love this guy, and I know I know you're gonna love this. We smoke cigars during this podcast. This is how hard this motherfucker goes. I pull out a Maduro wrapped uh, Padron Seven Thousand. That's a, a hearty smoke. Fucking taking big inhale puffs, and I think that's the way he lives his life, and that's what I fucking respect about him. So, uh, without further ado. You know him as the Teeb, Jason Tebow. This is All right. Yes. Let's see which one. Whoop. Here, take that word. What's the ethnicity of your last name? Uh, French Canadian. Is it really? Yeah. Do you have any like close ties to that? Uh, both sets of my grandparents, my great-grandparents, I mean. Uh, my dad's side is French-Canadian, Toronto. 
and then my mom's side is grandparents Swedish. Seriously? So you could beat me up with a baby. I mean, a, <laughs> dude, a hairless fucking pussy, like no armies with either country, probably not an Air Force. Literally a couple babies could fucking probably push me over and take whatever they want. The, uh, easily, like if you say to me, top five podcasts I've listened to, just give it a pull and it, it, it'll start firing up. Right. Um, the one you did with Ari. Here, just pull it until you see the flame coming out. Okay. Keep pulling it until you see the flame. Hit it again. Do you see the flame? Here, let me see. The uh, the one you did with Ari, where you talked about your drinking. <coughs> one of my yeah. favorite podcasts I've ever listened to. Uh, I was drinking before it. <coughs> <coughs> you were drinking before it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Walking there drinking. Really? Yeah, pretty much quit after that. Actually, it took me about another six months. Really? That's one, it's one of my favorite podcasts I've ever listened to. Oh, thank you very much. Probably the most honest I've ever been. Well, that's, you know what I think? That's it's a hard what... thing to do just with a friend. Yeah. You know what I mean? Without the mics going, without his 10 million fucking listeners and shit. But, um, you know, and I still haven't listened to it. Usually I listen to the most of the ones I've done. Uh, still, I think it's too, I think it would hurt me to listen to it. It was, uh, to hear where I was and to hear how much pain I was in, to hear the loss of hope. You yeah. know what I mean? That's where I, where I had kind of drank myself into. If that makes really? sense. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. I didn't give a fuck anymore. Yeah, you really didn't. But it's so it's so it's so interesting from my perspective to see because I've you know always been always been a big drinker. Some people can do it, man. Some you know some some you know, people can get away with it and still. I mean, you have a lovely house and you have a beautiful family, and for some reason you have a bunch of chickens over here running around. That's my wife. <laughs> the chicken is your wife, or the, the, the my wife got the chickens. Oh, she was great. like, "Oh, we're fucking getting chickens." It's going to be a whole but different yeah, some podcast. People, you know, like I could never chicken. do cocaine. I was, I did not have. Don't I, ever do it I because you're a never. drinker. No, 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 no. And it my, would fuck me up so much the next day. Well, the, you've done it though. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. okay, yeah. Because yeah. like, I mean, I, 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 mean, I could physically do it, but like, but the next day I was such a mess that I could not, I couldn't regulate. Yeah. And I, I'd have friends who did it, and I just was like, "How the fuck." How did you like? Some people could do certain things and not have any fucking backlash. But for me, the way I drink, um, when I found Coke, you know, I'd never done Coke till I was in like my mid 30s. Really? When I found Coke, I was like, oh, it erased 25 beers. Yeah. And now I can drink 25 more. Because that's the thing. So then it was fucked. When you get into that spiral of like, of like, fuck. The beers are drinking themselves. The beers are drinking me. I'm not, I don't even feel the buzz. It's not even, it's not getting better. It's not peaking. Yeah. It's plateaued into this fucking horrific, fucking just calorie burning, just fucking gog gog. And then all of a sudden you do coke and it's like, oh, I'm back. Yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm feeling everything again. Dude, I would stumble at parties in the bathrooms and people were like, he's done. And I come out and be like, let's go. And they're like, how do, you were just about to faint. That's fucking and now crazy. now you're totally like, you know, 
So what's 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 like what's uh did you did you just quit cold turkey? Or did you have to go to a rehab? No, well, I've dude, I've been in and out of sober and not sober for a decade. Yeah, longer, but eleven years. So you know, I had a year, then I was out for two years, and I had three years, and I was out for two years. Um, and when I went out the second time, um, after, right around when I did Ari's podcast, I couldn't. Be, I was like, if I can't, I have a job that I work for the NFL. Yeah, I've had eleven seasons in a row. I'm head of research for the Red Zone Channel. Yeah. So I'm in studio. I'm on set. It's a great job. I love football. It's a great job. And it's seasonal. And that job had ended. And I was like, if I can't get 30 days in a row, I'm out. Um, and I got like eight days. And I said I'd do it again. And I got like 10 days. And then like the fourth or fifth time I couldn't get 30 in a row, I was like, fuck it, man. I got, I don't have to really work, you know, other than stand up. And I can do stand up anywhere. Yeah. Um, I don't have to be back at work till August. So I went to a rehab right outside Chicago where I kind of grew up. Yeah. You know, I was there for, did that for 90 days. And then I stayed in, in like my home area for another, I was gone like six months. And then I just started like, I didn't do comedy. I didn't do anything. I did. I, I worked at Habitat for Humanity, volunteered there, built a house in the fucking winter, February in the Midwest. Um, and just kind of wanted to get away. And it was like, oh man, it's cold there. I'm like, Everything was different. It, I wasn't at the store. I wasn't around all the same people. It wasn't. It felt like Groundhog's Day. Yeah, it really did, man. Every day was the same day of not trying to drink, finding myself in a way to drink. So, went back to the cold. Went back to the zero degrees. And after like three months, then I started like gigging in Chicago. Renazizi was in town, so I did a guest spot with him. And then yeah. I kind of started doing comedy again. Taking a, I have a funny story about you. Around that time. You and I, long before that, we were talking at the store and we were talking about Wilco. Yeah. And we were talking, I can't remember what, I think it was via Chicago, but there was some song you and I were talking about. And then I saw you like three weeks later and you're like, dude, I was working for a travel channel job, job and I'm on the top of this like mountain in Switzerland and I'm like listening to that and I have my ski mask on and I just started crying, bro. Yeah. And you're like, I fogged up my uh, uh, ski mask and everything like this. And I was like, oh, that, that's a great story. That made me feel really good. Cut to like six months later. I'm taking the train into Chicago. For, I haven't done stand up in five months. Going to gig with Ren Azizi. I had like 95 days sober. It just felt like me again. And I was listening, and that song came on, and I'm taking a train into Chicago. And I just started crying, and I'm like, God damn you, Kreischer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we had the exact same thing, like eight months apart, got both of us. You know, oh, that's fucking train out of rehab great. into Chicago. You're sitting on the top of a mountain in Switzerland or wherever the fuck you were. It's hilarious. So wait, so how have you been able to, uh, have you been able to talk much about it on stage, or you stay away from it? Uh... No, oh, I talk about it all the time. Yeah? Yeah, but I have tons of jokes about it. You know, I'm not the kind of person that... You know what I used to do, bro? And any comic that likes to drink or smoke pot or do whatever the fuck, here's a trick that everybody learns if you've done it longer than 10 years. You're in Des Moines, Iowa, or wherever the flying fuck you are, and you're like, I don't do cocaine, unless anybody's got cocaine. Yeah. You know, that little trick. You're doing blow after the show. Oh, yeah. People know that trick. You know, weed jokes, whatever the fuck. And, you know... I have found that the opposite of that also works for me. Like if I just own who I am and I talk and tell stories about drinking stories and why I can't drink and shit like that, nobody's like, here's five shots. Hey, let's fucking, you know what I mean? Yeah. People like after the show, like, hey, can I buy you a coffee or something? You know, I don't have to deal with all the fucking craziness of people. 
it's like the reverse effect of, of doing that shit, you know? Yeah. Because you know how it is. I mean, spe- you know, I mean, dude, I did a show, we did a show together in, uh, I think, American Comedy Company. Yeah. You and me. And like, we're in the green room. You're like, all right, I'm going to go do my set and come back in a minute. You go do your set and you come back like into the green room 40 minutes later. You have no shirt on. You're totally soaking wet. And your oil can hammered. Yeah. <laughs> like, what just happened in the last 45 minutes? It was the best. I say this sometimes. I was like, you know, be careful what you wish for. Because as a kid, I said, man, if I could get to a place where I could fucking... I could get people to buy me drinks and be partying and like in college, if you told me that was my life, I'd be yeah. like, this is a fucking dream come true. I, you know, and I have to do that too sometimes. Cause I'm like, when I was, I've always wanted to do comedy. Everybody in my family was funny. I've loved stand up. I've loved comedy since dude, the seventies, late seventies yeah. when I'm like, you know, eight, nine years old. Be careful what you wish for. That's a great way to say it because all I want to dude, if you would have told me when I was 12, Hey man, the two things you love the most comedy and the NFL, you, those are your two jobs. Yeah, you know, and you're and you're working with all these you know people that you know that I used to super admire. I've become friends with. Yeah, you know, if you'd have told me when I was twelve that I would know Dice Clay and he would say hi to me when I come around the corner, or you know, any of those Damarera, any of those people that when I was twelve watching them, I'm like, fuck, I believe that's a real yeah. job. And now to be friends with them and all that, if you'd have told me that when I was twelve, I'd have been like. Psh. Dream life, fucking insane. Dream life. I said to I said to my wife, I should have wished for money. <laughs> <laughs> what a dumb fucking twelve year old I was. I wish I had. I wish. <laughs> I wish I had been more focused at fucking thirty three. At thirty three, I was like, fuck money. It's the art. Same. I'm getting. I'm dude. I'm. Pu- and it'll I'm, feed me. Yep. I go. I'm Did paying my house, dues. But- this is what I need to do. I remember saying. I remember my dad. I asked him if he could. I just had Georgia, and I asked him if he could help me f- pay for a ticket to come back from Miami to see Georgia to then fly back the next weekend. And I was like, and my dad's like, "How does anyone make a living doing this?" I go, "Dad, it's not important." Yeah, I go, "Doesn't matter. None of that matters. What matters is that I'm on the road and I'm working with Louis C.K. this weekend, David Tell next weekend, Daniel Tosh the weekend after that, and these are the greatest guys doing it. And me being around them and figuring out, watching the way they work, that's what's important. And I remember, and, and I just talked to someone the other day who said, uh, "I'd love to go on the road with you." I go, "Listen, I don't like, I don't make a ton of money. I can't like fly you out. I can't." And they're like, "No, no, 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 no. I'll j- if I just break even, I just want to be on the road." Yeah. And you're like, "Whoa, like that's where I was." That's where I was. And then and then you look at like I remember Amy Schumer one time got an offer from I was she was at my house we were having dinner and she got a text from someone, a comedian, that I would by the way, I would I would have and have flown myself out and without the promise of any fucking money, put myself up just to work with that person. And she, I remember her looking and going, ugh, it's it's only like three grand. That's not worth my time. Or I don't know what the sure. price point was, but it was like, I remember saying, it was going like, that's more than I got paid when I was headlining. Yeah. And they were paying her and she's like, it's not my own. That's not worth my time. I'm going to stay in New York. And I was like, well, but she's always had a business mind about this. See, there is there's the people that are show people. Then there's people that are business people like Whitney Cummings. Just an unbelievable, you know, in the show business world, fantastic at the business. Amazing. Amazing at it. Always had a, a people- knack to know. Not, and I'm not saying that she, I'm not saying that Whitney's not not like a genuine person, but always had knew who to talk to. Yes. Or like knew seemed to be friends she with the right people. She could walk into a Hollywood party and go right to the right person. 
and yes. I'd be the guy talking to the bartender for fucking two hours about fucking, how hilarious I am. Dude, I'm the one talking to the fucking bartender, too. I know. I'm the one taking up smoking so I can sit with the smokers outside. Right up, dude. Like, it doesn't... I wish I had that, you know? Like, yeah. Well, I mean, I just, you know, some people are show people. Some people are business people. And, you know, you can work at one and work the other and become a show business person. But you got to have both if you want to... If you want to have longevity in this shit. You know, I heard Ellen DeGeneres said something hilarious where she goes, if you're um, still doing comedy after 36 years old. Oh, Jesus Christ. You're either sober or Jewish. Either sober or Jewish. <laughs> oh, fucking. I guess I'm the anomaly. I'm fucking. Where'd you go to college? Florida State. Really? Yeah, How you, did I never know that? Oh, you didn't know my uh, my upbringing? I don't remember you, a Florida State person. Oh, yeah. Well, I, I'm not. Like, I'm not like a big, I'm not a big, I, after I graduated college, like Florida is so that place that like you graduate college and you become, you become obsessed with your school and you go to the football games and I just never got back into that. Yeah. I graduated, I moved to New York. I remember, um. What years were you at Florida State? 91 to 97. We're exactly the same age. Yeah. yeah. I, uh. I moved to New York. It was a very pivotal time. I remember saying... Uh, you went from college to New York. Moved. So in college, Rolling Stone magazine discovered me, called me the number one party animal in the country. Oliver Stone <laughs> optioned the rights to my life. Yeah. Wow. I know. What a bold statement. I would have taken a shot at your title had Rolling Stone hung out with the team. Fuck. <laughs> I guarantee that would have been a fucking run for my money. <laughs> oh, I promise you. I promise you. We would have both been dead. Can you imagine if we were college roommates? Oh. We wouldn't even be having this podcast right now. Maybe in jail. Oh, we, one of us would have died. Uh huh. Because I was not the kind of guy to be like, not to, not to. I wouldn't say turn down a challenge, but I look at spontaneity. It's one of the reasons I've, one of the reasons I've had a hard time just cutting out booze altogether in my life. I go for big chunks, but not like. But usually it's like manufactured big chunks, like. Be like December. I'm not drinking in December. I don't drink in December. I'm gonna get healthy. I'm gonna lose some weight. Or like right now, I don't drink at home. Like I just, it just for me, it doesn't work into my schedule of being around the girls. It's like, well, what the fuck am I doing at home? Can if you I'm just sc- have one beer, two beers? Nah. Yes, yeah, I'm not that guy though. But me I, either. I've never been that guy. Nothing. I mean, like I can, I can, like, don't get me wrong. If if someone says you come to a party or uh, and and they give me a beer, I, I just, I just, but I'm an absolutist, like. If you give me one beer, and I can definitely drink one beer and not have any more. But if you give me the option, I'm like, no, I'll just have water. What's the point? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, I like I like the buzz. My mom said one time, she goes, aren't there people who smoke marijuana just for the smell? I go, no. Hell there's no. no. I look at alcohol the same way anyone would look at marijuana. I'm doing it for a buzz. Like, I don't understand the people who go, no, I just, I, I like to have a glass of wine with my steak. That's how my sister is. We yeah. go out to dinner, she'll have a glass of wine, and she'll just like drink like three-fourths of it. And I just stare at it. I go, like, I was fuck? a dude at a big dinner party, like, we would get up to leave, and I would just, bam, pow, bang, 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 whatever anybody didn't finish at the table. Because I look at it as wasted money. Dude, I went to, I, I quit drinking for like eight months one time. Me and my wife went to Italy. We were having dinner. What, were you 13 at the time? No, oh, I was 29, 30 years old. Wow. And, uh. And I was like, and I was at my head, I was like, I need to quit drinking. I need to get serious about my career. I need to focus. And it, I remember just being, for me, I was exponentially unfun. Like I had taken the spontaneity out of my life. And 
That was, was a, really healthy. I, I struggle with that as well. You yeah. know, my head will be like, hey, man, but you're the fun wild guy. Like, you're not going to well, be funny without the funny juice. It, well, that was the thing that I had a hard time connecting with. And then we went out to eat, my wife and I, and we were in Venice, and it was snowing, and it was night, and it was beautiful. And I said, now's when I want a drink. And my wife goes, just have one. She goes, have one. Have two. Get buzzed. Let's get. Let's have a good time in Venice. Your wife have a sister. I might need to be in the family. Fucking yeah. <laughs> and, she, and I go really. She goes. Listen. I, she goes. I watch you drink. It's. I don't think this is back a long time ago. She goes. I don't think you have a problem. If you, I think you have a problem. I will tell you, and we'll handle it then. But she's like, have and so we went. We had a few drinks. Walked around Venice. Had a fucking blast. And then I. But I look at alcohol the same way. Like if I if I'm going to drink, I, I want to get a buzz because I, I go, in, in my in my head I go I don't want the calories for nothing. Right. Like I don't drink Coca Cola. I will not drink a Coca Cola because it's fucking 200 calories. I go I don't want that. I mean yeah it tastes great, but like I don't want it. I'll have a glass of water. I like water. I love a fucking glass big. I will kill water. Yeah. And uh, and and but the one thing that I become is that if I quit drinking. Like if I don't, like if I say to myself I'm not drinking in L.A., then it's, I become almost like obsessive compulsive about it. I go, well, I'm not drinking in L.A. and and then you know we'll have like a party and like we were supposed to go to this party tonight and I was like I was like I'll go. My wife's like, well, everyone's gonna be drinking. Like, hey, but yeah, but I told you, like I'm I just don't want to drink in L.A. because I want to wake up the girls tomorrow. Like if the girls weren't here, I'd go fucking get lit. Sure, but I feel bad waking up for the girls hungover as shit. Sure, phoning it in as a dad when I'm ho- only and, here. And three that's days. another that's another thing. <clears throat> Like this autonomy that I have is like a single guy. I don't have a family. I don't, I'm not a homeowner. Like my head can easily be like, "What are we fucking pissing off here?" Yeah. But seven months later, well, there's a lot that I'm pissing off. You feel that? That's the thing is that I think if I went, if I I I have the uh, whatever I got is this thing that makes me wake up in the morning with tremendous. Um, Gratitude. Pe- no, 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 no. Repentance. And like, I have a very punitive brain. So like, if I drink, I wake up the next morning, I go, no, 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 no. Fuck you. You wanted this lifestyle. You got this lifestyle. You get the fuck up. You go to the gym. You're going to fucking work. You're going to get shit done today. Okay. Go, How dare you fucking pity party yourself that you're hungover. If you're hungover, then guess what? We're done drinking. But if you want to drink tonight, you fucking get your shit done. That's the difference between you and I, my friend. Really? I don't have that. Really? Nope. I have that like wake up like, man, the only way to get through this is go right, get right back on the saddle. Really? Oh, yeah, dude. I would wake oh. up and, uh, dude, I would be drinking pretty much straight whiskey within 10 minutes of being awake just to even it out, you know? Really? Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, I don't have that. I like, my thing is like, like I'll go do radio and they'll bring in booze for radio and I can easily have, I can have three beers, catch the three beer buzz, you know, that little light one, yeah. and go, I'm done, I'm going to bed. See, no. And then I go straight to bed, but then I wake up at like fucking two o'clock, and I go, let's go to the gym, let's get our shit yeah, done. I have none of that in me. There's this great saying that I love, which is, uh, uh, the, like, first drink for me is too much, and the next 40 aren't enough. Like, if I start, it's on. There's no... Two three drinks with me, really? No, no, absolutely. Now, not. Did you have? Did you have a way to gauge when cocaine would show up? No, I would just. I, I never bought coke. I never. I just always. It was always a. You know. Yeah. You know. I, you know. I would lower like the people I would hang out with until like you know, 
11 months later, I'm like, you know, my head's like, you're not these guys. You, you got all your teeth. Yeah. Why the fuck am I hanging out with a bunch of jack-o'-lanterns, man? You got all these guys. You got <laughs> you all your I mean? teeth, man. I start like, you know, like nine months earlier. All this guy's earlier. sucking a guy's dick in the corner. You're not him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're good. We're good. <laughs> you know, who's we? Who's we, man? My, my head says we. My problem, my only, the only thing I cannot control is my fear of flying. Fear of flying? Yeah. You have a fucking travel channel show. I fly all. I fly everywhere all the time. And you're a comic. And I and and it's like it's like I'm a terrified of deep sea, but I'm going to be an underwater welder, <laughs> dude. It is. I didn't know travel was going to be a part of this my job ever. Like when I got in the business, I just thought you'd live in New York and just do stand up out of New York. Yeah. I thought you'd book a commercial, live in New York. Maybe you'd fly to L.A. But I was like, oh fuck it. I can I can do a flight every now and then. Yeah. And then and then I moved to L.A. and I was like, yeah, this is it. TV shows. This is perfect. And I fucking totally. How fucking, crippling is your fear of flight? Like, do you have to like take a Xanax and sleep the whole time? Or are you like? No, I have to drink. Yeah, I have to. And and man, that's the only like I can't take Xanax because if I take Xanax, I Groggy. can't regulate it. Yep. And then and and then if and then if you get bad turbulence, you want to. There's no way to like fucking lollipop yourself which like like i used to think weed lollipops would be the answer because i was like oh if you start having bad time pop it in just suck a little harder there and then you get the buzz but that's not the answer dude one time remember that movie um grizzly man about the guy that got eaten by a bear when that first came out rogan and duncan trussell and i joe rogan duncan trussell and i went to go uh uh see that movie now that's when we just got legal it was like 10 years ago but the fuck in la i mean and Rogan had these like big ass like suckers, and he's like, guys, we're in Rogan's car. He's like, let's take a couple licks of these, and then we'll go in the movie, and then it'll hit us like right at the right time, and then we'll when the movie starts, then we'll you know go back to eating or whatever the fuck. So we're in his car eating these suckers and shit. We get in the movie, the movie starts. Rogan's like, all right, guys, get your suckers out. Him and Duncan pull out these big ass fucking they're as big as these cigars, big ass full suckers, and I just hold up this stick. <laughs> And I look at those two like, I, my shit's gone. And I knew I had to be super powerful because Rogan just goes, oh, no, man. I go, oh, no, what? Oh, no, what? Oh, dude, you're in deep, deep shit. No, no, I don't know. What do you mean? I mean, no, 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 no. Bro, 10 minutes into this movie, I'm sweating like Mike Tyson in a spelling bee. I'm dying, bro. I'm like, oh, my. And then it's the worst movie to be tripping out. Oh, on. fuck yeah. They eat, eat, eat him alive. <laughs> and his girlfriend. They yes. eat him and his girlfriend alive. And I'm just, you know, I'm crying. I'm sweating. It's just, oh, it's the worst, man. Those edibles are sneaky. Oh, I won't fuck with them. Me either. I won't fuck with them. And, mm. and marijuana is, isn't the right drug for me. You know, I, I just, sadly. It's the only one I could regulate. It's the only one that... that Never made my life unmanageable. Really? Yep. I had a little bit of a volume addiction a long time ago. That was a real hard one to kick. Um, I never really was addicted to Coke, but there was a small window in my life where I never said no to it. Yeah. Well, I, that's the drug I've easily said no to. I mean, probably I've probably said no to it more than I've said yes to it, definitely. Yeah. And only because... Me it, too, actually. Believe it or not, me too. Yeah. I, I, I said the last time I did it was in New York... In like probably ninety eight, ninety nine. I haven't done coke since. What time is it? <laughs> no, uh, I can't even. Last time I did this is a long time ago. So I haven't done any, you know, any of that shit. I mean, dude, I'm a nineteen fifties madman, Scotch neat, yeah. fucking listen to jazz, fucking, you know what I mean? Yeah, dude, I drink alone. Like I drink alone more than I drink around people. Yeah, towards the end, you know what I mean? Yeah, I'm. I'm no one would drink with me anymore. 
Really? Yeah, because everybody. Well, that was the part Ari store, said. Store still to this day won't serve me. That's the one thing Ari said. If I go to get, if I'm there with a friend at the comedy store, and I'm like, dude, and you know, we get comedy prices and shit yeah. from my friends in town or whatever. I'm like, dude, no, no, don't pay. I'll let me pay. I'll get you. It'll be much cheaper. And I'll be like, you know, let me get a fucking Red Bull and a Jack and Coke. Any bartender at the store is like, who's the Jack and Coke for? Yeah. And like, watch me hand it to this person right there. Watch them drink it. You know, they won't even serve me. Really? Just because. When was the first time someone ever said to you that you, they thought you had a problem? Probably about 18 years ago, maybe. Really? Probably. Yeah, I was dating a girl that was, it was getting pretty serious and, and, and she wanted to be more serious and kind of gave me like a me or booze talk. And, you know, I'd just been in L.A. for a couple of years. Comedy was going great. I had that, like, oh, but it's part of who I am, you know? And I was kind of yeah. like, well, my, I, what I describe as my disease, whatever voice is always in my head trying to fuck me up, was like, she's asking you to choose between comedy and her. No, she wasn't. <laughs> she was just saying. She was like, man, let's bring the drinking down to a seven. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. But my head's like, mm, she's, she's like comedy or me. She doesn't get who you are. Yep. That's exactly <laughs> what it was. You know? That's crazy. Um, and she was always one, like one of the few that I was like, man, that might have been one of the ones that got away. Really? Yeah. We're still good friends. She's great. But was like just a great girl. Good family. Yeah. Super nice. Just caring, loving. She's married now. Has two beautiful kids. Her husband's a great guy. I know him. You know, we're still, you know, friendly-ish. I, my wife was the one... That would have gotten away. We had we had we went out. You've been night. together a while. What? How long have you been together? Not married, but 13. all. No, probably fifteen years. Uh huh. So probably fifteen years ago. No, it can't be that long, was it? Yeah, I yeah, probably no, probably thirteen, fourteen years ago. Had she ever been like, dude? You got to bring it down. To- she said we went out. We went out one night, and this is when, I'm, one of my things. One of my things that. Well, back then was like I did. I just was. I had social anxiety and I didn't know it. So I get around a big group of people. I still do, you do still? this. What do you still? I think a lot of comics do. Yeah, I do. Yeah, and I and I was drinking and and I don't know. I, I believed in contrarian thinking and and if you if everyone says blue, then I'm going to say yellow to find out if I can get a giggle out of a yellow with them. Sure. And uh, and the the topic was whatever fucking topic was was like. Some guy had pulled up some girl's skirt, and they were saying that this guy was uh, was the equivalent of a rapist. And I was like, guys, I think that's a little fucking strong. And they're like, no, 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 it's not. So I start arguing the point. I go, the guy's just an asshole. He's a fucking asshole. Can't, don't give him the power. And I don't know if I got fucking too drunk to argue the point, but I wouldn't let it go. And I wouldn't let it go for like, I mean, like two days, I wouldn't let it go with my wife. And she was like... And my wife was like, this isn't what I signed up for. Is a guy who won't let an argument go for after two days. And my wife dumped me. She was like, you know what? I think we can be friends, but I don't know if I can date you. And I was like, oh, shit. That was when I stopped drinking for eight months. I was like, if, and I was like, I remember waking up going. Love is an incredible motivator. I was like, booze, did you treat me wrong? Like, I was always your friend. I was always good to you. How dare you let me get into a situation where I can't get out of a fight and I can't stop an argument? Yeah. I was like, I thought we were friends. You said you'd take me to the party and help me make friends. And now you're making me make enemies? Yeah. And I was like, I'm fucking done with you. And then uh, and my wife's like, no. Nah. Well, ultimately, she ended up taking me back she's like no it's not booze it's you 
She's like, you think you need to go to therapy? And so yeah. I, was like, I was like, really? She's like, yeah, it's you, and you have an issue with losing a fight. Did you go fight. to therapy? Yeah, I mean, I, I was, I'm still in therapy. Yeah, and I'm, I'm always in and out. I haven't been in, like, actually about a month ago, I actually called my therapist in Chicago. I had, like, an hour-long session with her. I do shit. therapy once a week. But I did for, like, six years. I went for, like, six years. It's fucking great. It really does. It really is. It just is nice to hear your thoughts out loud speak them out loud write down the ones that you think you need work on and then to identify them for me it's identifying and it's talking to somebody that you are paying to shut their yapper yeah I can have many conversations with friends and, and then two months later somebody else is like hey I heard blah and I'm like god damn it yeah that was supposed to, you know several times when I was in therapy my therapist now I just want to check in like are you comfortable and I'm like dude yeah I'm comfortable because I'm paying you to shut the fuck up yeah, it's you like know, a hooker. It's exactly like a hooker. That's <laughs> exactly leave. what it is. I'm paying you not to tell my secrets. It's exactly what it is, man. And I and I've it's learned, a brain hooker. I learned a lot in therapy. I still learn a lot. Like right now, when I have something go on, like like the silliest thing. Like uh, this is so silly, but it's it's. I go okay. So someone says Bert and Tom Green should do a podcast. So I go cool. So I go let me. And then Tom Green replies, "That sounds fucking awesome." Let's do it. Hit me up. So I go to DM him, and I find out that he's blocked me. And I'm like, whoa. And I, st- and I go into a spiral. I go into a fucking spiral, start- and I start accusing myself of stuff I haven't done. Sure. I start, I start rationalizing why he would block me. Like, what? And then I start going, oh, fuck, this is going to be bad. And I, st- I literally spiral out. And then it, I like send like two or three tweets. Hey, Tom, I noticed that um, you have... Blocked me. Hey, can someone tell Tom Green they blocked me? I remember me. And then, and I'm literally this close to like calling up my agent or say, hey, can we get in touch with this? Pe-? Like, what have I done to him? And then he just writes back, oh, I don't know how that happened. Sorry. Yep. And then like a week later, I realized oh, that I, I blocked someone on accident. That just the system did it. I get it all the time. And like, I, dude, you blocked me. What did I do? I'm like, oh, sorry, dude. I, didn't, I, I, I never block anybody. I never block anybody. You gotta either. really go out of your way. I mean, you got to go out of your way to get me to block him. I, I won't block anybody. I just won't give them the power. I mute them so they've vaporized. <laughs> right. <laughs> but like but like those – so I'd say to my therapist, like, hey, okay, how do we get – it's it's cool to go, okay, so that – like to, to dog ear something in life and go, okay, that was a problem that I didn't like. And then bring it to your therapist and go, hey, what the fuck did I just do? Like tell me what I'm doing right the now. The notice of patterns – was one thing that I got big out of therapy. It's like, oh man, I, you're right. I did do that again. Oh, I did create that exact same scenario again. You know, I always yeah. find that interesting. What I constantly am trying to recreate and potentially fix. A lot of times, it's such old shit in your life yeah. that you're constantly trying to really fix that, which and, is unfixable. And it's neat. To, what you just said is so cool. Is to realize, okay, this is definitely me. Because yeah. this has happened a couple times. Mm-hmm. This is definitely me. Because people are not in therapy. I'm not shitting on people not in therapy. I'm not saying therapy is the answer for everybody. But a lot of times they'll just, like Charlie Sheen, they'll just go, why are they doing this to me? And uh, you're like, no, 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 man. After the third, I had a, uh, the, that when I quit drinking for eight months, my my uh, hairstylist was a guy named, I'll, I'm going to, maybe I shouldn't say his name, but he, he was in and out of uh, rehabs. He was sober. And he had just started smoking weed the day my wife dumped me and I went, I had a haircut plan and I was, didn't plan on it. I was like, fuck it. I'm not going to go. And I called to cancel and he was like, one of those really cool guys. He goes, man, you don't sound good. I go, oh, man, I don't know. I go, I got a lot on my mind. He goes, come in, take, get a haircut. We'll talk. He goes, worst case scenario, 
we don't talk about anything you need to talk about, but you feel good about yourself because you got your hair cut and you look good. Yeah. So I go in, sit down. He gets high as fuck in the bathroom. I think he, I think he fell off the wagon pretty hard right after this. And I said to him, I said, man, maybe I need to quit drinking. And he goes, how many people have told you that? I was like, I don't know why. He goes, very important. He goes, if one person just one person says you Ramley, fuck him. He goes, look, if one person tells you have a tail, fuck them. They're crazy. If two people tell you have a tail, fuck them. They're teaming up on you. Yeah. But if three people say you have a tail, you better turn around. Yeah. And I heard that and I went, yeah. Uh-huh. And I, I think that's one of the coolest things that therapy's done is I start going, I start noticing my tails. Like when I do something, I can't just write it off to going, oh yeah, that's not me. And I also have to go like, who's listening in my head? Yeah. You know, who's listening? Because I can have my real friends that really care about me, my sister, you know, d- girlfriends or, or, or really lifelong friends will be like, dude, you might want to fucking, you might be, you might want to get a grip on this because you don't yeah. seem like you. But then, and I can be like, ah, maybe, maybe you're right. And then that night go out with all my drinking friends and they're like, dude, you're fine, man. You're totally fine. And I'm like, yeah, maybe I am fucking fine. You know, but my problem is like I would go out and drink with those people and they would leave at like 1230 with a buzz and I would drink till like three o'clock the next day. You know what I mean? So I'm like, you guys all go home to your houses and families and wives and girlfriends. There's no stop. I stop when my body can't, you know, when I just finally pass out. Did you ever have any health problems? Not from drinking. Luckily, you know, not, not knock on wood, you know, you know. Time takes time. Who knows what will reveal itself later. Yeah, well, I mean, But, I mean, I'm prime candidate for all of them. And especially if I start drinking again, I mean, because I'm, I'm not going to start, I'm not going to start, like, okay, now I can drink like a gentleman. Yeah. You know, after 30 years of fucking drinking lights out, like, now I learned my lesson. Lights Dude, out. I, I, I've, and I know that because I've fallen for that. Yeah. You know, the nine billion times I've relapsed in my life, it was always, okay, now I know what I did wrong. Now I can do this again. <laughs> no, man. I have one drink. Dude, I, when I, w- f- based off of that Ari podcast, when I relapsed that time and I was out for like 18 months, the first time I drank, and I hadn't had a drink in three years, I was gigging in San Diego. And I went, you know how it is. You go out with the staff and the waitresses and, and all, you all go to a club afterwards and shit and go to a bar or whatever with the, all the people that work at whatever club. And there was five of us. A dude ordered five beers, four hands grabbed four beers, and there's just one beer with like a light shining on it and like angels singing, you know what I mean? And I was like, <laughs> fuck, man. And I was such a pussy, dude. I like looked around this bar in San Diego like, does anybody know I'm sober? And then I grabbed it and I put in my coat. And I went in the men's room, and I stood at a urinal pretending like I was pissing and slammed it. Oh, Dude, man. who drinks a one fucking Miller Lite like that? Cut to seven hours later, uh, I was shit-canned. I had already found weed. I made a pipe out of a fucking cigarette fucking tinfoil thing. Yeah. Uh, and I had smoked in my hotel room so much that they charged me like 200 bucks for a room that was free because I was gigging. Yeah. Dude, that's that's me having a beer after three years. That's how I drink. Jesus Christ! You know what I'm saying? So yeah. it's just like. So wait, now have you thought of a way to apply that part of your personality to other things? <laughs> like, God, I wish I could. And that, but but it's part of those things. One of those things that I wish that they would do. And maybe with time, maybe you know, give me give me five years of of, of sobriety and, and and really working at you know that's all. 
I mean, I would say it's like if I got 30 years of wreckage, I'm not going to fucking clear all that shit up in 16 months of sobriety. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, you know, patience. Um, take, you know, Tate Fletcher. Yeah. He's a great friend of mine and, and just like a guru to me. And he always says great things. And one of his, his that he always says that I love is time takes time. Dude, you need time. Yeah. And time takes time. Like you can't snap your fingers and bam. Okay. Now I'm cool. It's like you just, it took you a long time to get that you know that ball of yarn to get so knotted up like you're not gonna fucking snap your fingers and unwind it but just patience man and be kind to yourself people are so hard on themselves yeah you know like i like if you called me and you're like dude team i'm freaking out man my wife's mad at me blah 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 i think i'm a fucking failure i'm scared of this I, i'm fucking everything up what would i say to you you know what i mean but when my head says that shit to me, I don't say the same. You know, I'm just like, yup, you're right. I'm a fucking failure. Yup, I fucked it all up. That's what I say to my head. Yeah. But when any one of my friends call me and say the same things, I'm like, dude, what are you talking? You're a great guy, man. Super talented. You're loving. You're a sweet guy. Like, everybody loves you. Like, you're just going through a rough time right now. That's what I would say to any of my friends who call me. Yeah. But then when my head says that same shit to me, I just quietly agree with it. That's so fucking interesting. You know? So, you, so when my head says shit like that to me, I have to pretend that it's Burt Kreischer on the phone with me saying all those things. Cause then I can go, dude, calm down, dude. You're, you know, everybody, you're a good guy and you're trying and look at all the progress you've made. And like, you know, cause otherwise if I'm just alone and, and I, I just agree with it yeah, because it's in my brain. So I think it's my voice uh, saying all this shit. I've got, my brain is not a big fan of mine. Nobody's is. I think it's the human condition. Yeah. Fear. Fear is the human condition. Afraid of not being accepted, afraid of not fitting in, afraid of not being enough, afraid of failing, afraid of failing publicly. Dude, it's so funny. People used to talk about self-sabotage. There's a comic I knew that um, he had done Last Comic Standing, and, and he's one of the funniest guys I've ever seen. And I watched him tank it on purpose. And I, like, I watched him do material that we all knew wouldn't make it in the show. And he Was it Big J? No, because oh, no, he told that exact story on my podcast yesterday. Really? That he Big yeah, Jay's he, in town? Uh, yeah, he's uh, he's doing um, tonight. He's doing uh, at midnight, and then he's out of town. He's oh, been really? in town for like three days. Yeah. Um, he uh, no no no, it wasn't. But wait, what, what did Big Jay? I'd rather hear Big Jay's story. <laughs> well, he you know he we, he was talking about how the producers were like, hey, do this one bit, and then Jay's like, well, I don't think that bit that bit's kind of risque. And I don't know if it'll fly on network TV. And they're like, dude, just do it. And Geraldo was one of the judges that year. Yeah. And who's a buddy of his. And, and so Jay did that bit. And then they kind of were like, yeah, I think that's like a little bit. And he's like, you fucking told me to do that bit. I yeah. told you not, that you wouldn't. And Geraldo came up to him and he's like, dude, I mean, that was hilarious. But you obviously just tanked that because you didn't want to be on the show. He's like. I totally wanted to be on the show. They fucking told me to do that bit. Really? Yeah. Yeah, Geraldo's one of those guys, like, when, when I, when I, I remember talking to him about booze in one time, and he was like, and I was, I remember just feeling like there was a real disconnect in the way we got down. Like, Geraldo was one of those guys who's like, I'm going to drink, now you won't see me for the next three days. That's me. And I was, and I was like, I, I, I don't, I don't know. I, I wonder if that's one of those things that that's just a chemical imbalance. Because... Because I would venture to say I drink as much as anyone else, but I guess I don't. I guess I really kind of just I, – I, I, part of you have me – You have a shut-off valve. I have a shut-off valve People like People like me do not. I don't – if I start, I don't stop. I can't – I cannot. So many times I'm like, I – okay, one more and then that's it. 
there's never it's not me that's saying one more and that's it it's my yeah. fucking fucked up alcoholism that's tricking this little scared little boy that's the other voice yeah i'm like oh, okay I, I trust you demon sure one more you've you, never demon. lied to me before <laughs> i can't see your fangs totally right. yeah exactly <laughs> you don't you just look like a lizard right now i love lizards i'm trustworthy satan sure <laughs> you seem trustworthy you've never steered me wrong <laughs> <laughs> but it's like man it becomes your confidence it becomes your it becomes your uh social lubrication i i i when I was drunk, it allowed me to at least on the insides th- think I feel like the way I should feel. Confident, I can talk to women, I can hit on people, I can, you know, whatever the fuck. When I take Xanax, I go, I wonder if this is what everyone feels like all the time. Yeah, 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 like, yeah. yeah. Like, well, that's how I, that, that's, I'm glad you said that because that's exactly how I felt in that first drink four, drink five. Yeah. There's kind of this like, ah, okay, now I feel like everybody else feels. My problem is drink six through drink 30. Oh. You know, you got a one-hour window where, like, I'm awesome. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? (laughs) But then you got about 18 hours where you're like, I'm going to fucking kill this guy. You know what I mean? Yeah, I I get, like, when I, like, if so, if I had to take the red eye tonight, I would be a mess all fucking day. Really? Oh, yeah. Now, as much as you travel, you haven't gotten over this. No, it's a fear of death. It's a real sincere fear of death. That's what it is. And I and and a fear. And of, you have no control in that plane over whether you live or die. None. It's and, just a blind trust in faith and, and mechanics. We've talked. We've talked. I've talked to my therapist about it. I have a real problem with control. And so it's one of the things that like. One of the things I do, like I came in last night. We flew in with my family. I drank on the plane. And I, and I drank on the plane, like, I put, I, I'm not putting back, I guess, probably had, like, probably had three beers, but the three beers I had were the last hour of the flight, the last hour and a half of the flight, so by the time we landed, I was buzzed, but then immediately my brain goes into, big day tomorrow, start drinking water, Yeah, and I just start fucking murdering water, and then I get home, and it's almost like I drink it to a fault. Like I become, I want to say I'm more obsessive compulsive with control issues than anything in the world. Like I would never, I could never, I could never go to a meeting and smoke pot and go to a meeting. Like I could never do that. If I go to, if I have a meeting, I am like, I don't drink the night before. I fucking work out the morning of. I, I'm like. I want to be clear. I time my coffee buzz. Like I'll, I won't drink coffee that morning. Yeah. I'll have it uh, in the car coming over. Like I'm real obsessive compulsive like that about, you know, with like radio, I'd, I'd never like to drink. Like I'd like to know what my radio schedule is. And then I bring a cup of coffee with me and I like to have my coffee doing radio. Right. Um, I could never do stuff high. Like if I was to smoke pot, I need a fucking clear schedule. <clears throat> tomorrow's a wrap like you know that kind of shit yeah. but yeah, I, that's it's it's interesting you know dude I had a call back to producers for dude where's my car hung over and stoned as fuck dude that was a call that, that wasn't like a just a blind fucking audition where they were seeing everybody that was like call like first audition goes good call like big part in a movie yeah, and that was just like it wasn't as important as being stoned and drunk. So far, yeah, the, the, no relationship I've ever had, no dream I've ever had, nothing will ever be more important to me than alcohol. Oh yeah, yeah. which is why I can't touch it. 
I, because the minute that's in my life, everything else is secondary. Paying rent, food. Oh, dude, my if if I have an addiction, it's definitively food. Like I, I what the when, number one thing that I got asked the most is why are you so fucking fat, bro? <laughs> All on Twitter, everyone's like, ask him why he's so fat. Why is he so Jesus fat? Why is he, I must have gotten fifty of them. Yeah, it's going. It's going. It's going viral. It's going. Fucking Segura great, is a bro. pain in the fucking about? ass. Fucking Segura just said it one time. Said Tommy. Yeah, he's like, well, I don't know. They're talking. To, he's talking to his wife. Tommy, notorious for his fucking slender build. Thank you for saying that. And he said, you know, Bert's just so much. He said, I look like Gerard Depardieu, and just and it just took off. Man, you cannot control. What people latch on to. Like, I've wanted people to latch on to hashtags I started and sure. and fucking jokes. And I wanted, man, I wanted that machine story. When I first started the business, I was like... One of the funniest fucking things I've ever fucking heard. Oh, thank you. I, I, I just... I can never be sick of hearing it. I, I definitely get to tell you. You get sick of telling it. <laughs> yeah. I got, I got a lot of that, too. The uh, But, like... But... That just took off, man, and and I'm like, and now I'm like, it's I I, I talked to Tom once a day because he's like, man, I'm really sorry it took off this big. I, really, I love the cigars. Oh, I love them too. Yeah, the, uh, but yeah, I wish I always wish I could come up with viral campaigns the way you see guys do it. You know, like like I wish I could like one of the things I, I love Chris D'Elia, but one of the things he does so well that by the way it sounds like I'm gonna slam him. I'm not. One of the things he does so well is he can get on fucking social media and find a catchphrase that just takes off. I'm like, how the fuck do you do that, girls? Dude, he's got the Dane Cook thing where he's like, he's attractive. His audience is that younger, like. Oh, my daughter quoted him. <laughs> When he was on Vine, my daughter was quoting him. I was, I'm like, honey, you're, you're ten. How do you know what Chris D'Elia said? Oh, my friends play it. It's so cute or whatever. Yeah, and she was doing it. Dude, I, I was at the Ice House. I was doing the smaller room in the Ice House, and you know when the big room comes out and everyone's lined up for merch, I'm outside smoking a fucking cigarette, and the line for this merch and to take pictures. Now he wasn't there yet. Was just it looked like a fucking Holy casting call shit. for supermodels. And I, I said to the door guy, I go, who the fuck is in the main room that their audience is 300 slamming hot 28-year-olds? Oh, yeah. And he's like, oh, Crystal Lee. I'm like, of course. Fuck. This guy didn't even born with a fucking, I mean, good just God. Fucking... Just, I would like to come back in another life just as his dick. <laughs> just the fucking. Just a spelunking, happy little motherfucker. <laughs> you know what I mean? Spelunking. dwelling fucking, you know what I mean? <laughs> Bulimic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just puking on babies. <laughs> oh. Now when when did uh like what was the first band you ever got into? Ooh. I had a huge like high school junior high school. I was like a big R&B guy. Like I loved New Edition growing up. Oh. New Edition I loved. Was that Candy Girl? Yup, Candy Girl and then Johnny Gill took over for Bobby Brown and then Bobby Brown came back and then Dude, I loved, I lo- and Belbiv DeVoe, I mean, but that whole, it was a super band. Yeah. Belbiv DeVoe, Johnny Gill, Bobby Brown, Ralph Tresman. I mean, Were you into had- hip-hop? Yep, sure, big time. Really? Dude, huge Tupac fan. So I saw Tupac when he was 19 with uh, Digital Underground. Are you serious? Yeah, open up for LL Cool J. Dude, I- And Mary I, J. Blige, that was the same concert. I got hardcore into Tupac. I mean, like, like- He's in my top five, maybe eight for sure. Really? Prince number one, hands down. Prince always been my number one. Wilco, too. 
Yeah. Ryan Adams, three. I love Ryan Adams. Really? Yeah. I've never even listened to Ryan Adams. Really? Really. Oh, dude. Get ready to have your heart ripped out. Really? Uh, as prolific as they get. I mean, just Ryan Adams. He has, I gotta get on he has Ryan. more albums than I have Days Left Alive. I got to get on to Ryan Adams. Not oh. the Canadian. Not Brian Adams. Okay. No, no, no. That's a huge difference. Ryan Adams. Yep. Yep. Was married to Mandy Moore. They got divorced. They, he's written songs for everybody. He has like, I'm not even joking, maybe, if you include live shit, probably 60 albums, and he's younger than us. Holy shit. I'll send you some Ryan Adams shit. Do you know who? No. Oh, let's go through this. Bands that you've gotten obsessed with that'll never, that, that you can go to. And fucking get right back into my top one ever is uh, Blind Melon. Oh, Blind Melon. Blind Melon, I can get into. Their bass player was, that died? Wasn't there a bass player that died? It was their lead singer. Was from my, oh, lead singer was from my. Uh, Shannon Hoon? Right outside my hometown. He's from Indiana. Oh, yeah. Yep. That's right. He grew up where Axl Rose grew up. Yep. He was friends with Axl Rose's sister, I think. Or Axl Rose was friends with his sister. Okay. So when he came out what here. What did he die? A heroin overdose or something? Cocaine. Cocaine, man. yeah. Fucking cocaine. I heard that and I was like fucking done. Yeah, like I was like, what? like I, I tend to. I mean, again, I'm a big drinker and drinking could kill me easily. But um, there's been several times where I almost did. Um, I tend to draw the line at the drugs where your teeth start falling out, and you know what I mean. But heart attacks at you know in 40s, you yeah. see those people dying, like any of that shit, just scared me because the way I do everything, dude, the way. I, drink the way i smoke the way i fuck the way i get obsessive about you know just because something makes me feel good doesn't mean it's good for me yeah you know and if something makes me feel good i want a lot of it <laughs> I'm like wow that brownie was good where can i get a pound of that yeah you know what i mean i mean that's that's why i ate sweets as a kid it's just i just have that in me really so coke always scared me anything a meth i'm terrified of have you ever done meth no on accident once really yeah this dude was like that's meth right there and i'm like i'm gonna accidentally do it no uh, <laughs> here comes another accident uh no back in the old days before you know when everyone had a weed guy yeah you know what i mean before it was legal and you'd have to go to some guy's house and like buy weed but then you'd have to sit around and act like you gay so how are things you know there's, there's that uncomfortable fucking where he's yeah. kind of like when are you leaving and you know but you didn't want to be rude and he was like hey man I'm, let me go get you your eighth you want to do a line real quick and i just thought it was coke yeah. You know, I was like, oh, yeah, one line of Coke. That'll set my Friday off. <laughs> Cut to like 4 a.m. I'm at Home Depot looking for belt sanders and like, I'm going to I'm gonna redo the whole apartment, you know. But don't you feel if you go like. To Home Depot, anybody at Home Depot after 1 a.m. is 100% on meth. Don't you feel like that's. Who's looking for paint at 2 a.m.? <laughs> I got a project I'm going to work on. Straight up, yep. Dude, don't you feel like you're dipping your toes in the depths of. Of the, of, of, the, of the underworld gives you so much it, it, it's such a great grad school for comedy because it's like you, you, you say the thing that's real you know the thing that that someone who's never smoked pot or, or I think most comics have especially if you've been doing it a long how long have you been doing comedy 17 years same here same here um, exact same um, we should we should fuck. Would you? <laughs> no. <laughs> um, so so I think that if you've been doing it a long time, there's some sort of story that you might. Comics have this thing of like, I want to try absolutely everything that there is to. Uh, I want to be able to talk about everything. I yeah. want. I, I, I don't want to be up here shitting on cocaine and then. Um, uh, uh, I've never done it. You know, I want to have an opinion on everything. Yeah, and, and comics tend to be somewhat 
darker people um, and can talk about dark things in a light way. Dude, I remember when, and I, by no means do I want a death sentence or to end my career by talking ba- uh, disparagingly about Joe Rogan, who I love. Yeah. Um, but I remember 14, 15 years ago when Joe didn't smoke pot. And then we would all be smoking pot and going around the corner at the store to say, oh, you guys are going to go smoke your dummy sticks. You guys are going to go get stupid, you fucking dummies. And you're like, man, I can't get a break with this guy. And then I get sober and he becomes the king of pot. And he's like, what, are you not going to expand your mind and smoke? I'm like, I can't win with you. <laughs> <I'm>, <laughs> I great. just can't win with you. That's a, who, got, who got Joe to smoke pot? Was it Eddie? I don't probably. I would assume. I, I, I have no idea. But maybe. I mean, it had to be. I think but it definitely changed his life for the better. Oh, I yeah. believe. Oh yeah, I believe. You know, he's someone. He's someone who can really, like, he can go do a podcast, have a couple whiskeys, fucking smoke, uh, smoke a joint, few hits off a joint. Very few people I admire more than uh, Joe Rogan. Very few people as a businessman, as as a man, dude, as an uh, athlete, as a friend, as, as a, friend? a comedian, all, on top of all of it. He is one of those His guys... His work ethic towards comedy is literally almost second to none. He's one of those guys that when he gives you advice, you ha- you feel really stupid not taking it. Yep. Like you really go, I, okay, my instincts saying against this, my instincts must be wrong. Yep. Like I, yep. he told me, he was like, he was like you got to get out of travel, fucking focus on your stand-up. You're a much better comedian. Focus on your podcast. And I was, I was like, eh... I was like, yeah, I appreciate that. And then I went on and did another series for Travel Channel. And the whole time doing it, I'm like, I just thought to myself, did I, did I willfully make a wrong decision? Like, I mean, I love this show and I love this network. But, like, like maybe I could have applied that information in, in a little healthier of a way. Maybe I should be working more on my stand-up. Maybe I should be focusing less on television maybe the business is shifting and then all of a sudden i get done that series and i go back on the road and i start going oh he was fucking right like yeah. he's not right 100 percent. i mean maybe i need to do some trouble but whatever i do it needs to be pared down to a place where my stand-up is the focus where yeah. that is the head of the snake yeah. that's the head of the career everything else follows it and that dictates the the direction i'm going in in my life for everything let my podcast come number two and if I want to do TV, have that be a place where I draw material from, and I'm doing stuff where I'm taking it on stage, and I'm talking and about that And it's a megaphone life. for, hey, come see me. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it, but he, and I mean, I'll, once again, I don't want to sound like we're sucking Joe's dick on here, but man. I clearly am. I love Joe Rogan. Please help me and change my life. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> he, he is, he's one of those guys that as a friend, you go, oh, that's what, like, man, I did not have, I was not good with making friendships as a man. I did not know how to do it. I I either allowed you to have more freedom, more more leniency with me than I than I should ever allow someone or I just would shut you down. I'm either a doormat or I'm wiping my feet with you. <sighs> I was I was And somewhere in between those two things lies humanity. I was I was either primarily a doormat. I just was allowing people to not, to not. I remember in sobriety, I'm a doormat. In drinking, I wipe my feet with you, and I take whatever I need to keep oh, drinking. I was a doormat. I was a doormat oh. on both sides. I remember Joe pulling me aside. We were at the at the ice house. I was getting ready to go on stage. He goes, "Hey, let's do a shot." And I was like, "Yeah." So we go over. We do a shot, and he's like, real like real vulnerable. He's not 
I, I don't know, maybe it's just the way I remember. He looks at me, he goes, hey, man, you're a really great guy. You know that, right? And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, blowing him off. And he goes, no, 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 no. You are a really great guy. And he goes, and if you surround yourself with really great friends, you won't have any of these problems. Ooh. And I was like, Ooh. I was like, fuck. And then he was like, you just got to let them be your friends. Like, don't shut people out. And I was like, yeah. And then all of a sudden, like, I started hanging out with Joey a lot. And Joey and I, like, get coffee every morning. And uh, and I, t- I took, like, a month off the road, off of travel. And I just stayed home. And I had coffee with Mo- Joey every morning. And I just talked to Joey. And Ari and I would get into fucking long conversations. And, yep. and I think even to that point, even with Seguro. Two, two of the greatest people I know. Seguro's uh, been probably one of my, probably my closest friend for the longest. Yeah. But it wasn't until after that conversation that I really started saying... Hey, I I should let Tom be my friend more. I should really let yeah. like I shouldn't I shouldn't try to do whatever the fuck I was doing that would shut off things. Like I would shut off things and I wouldn't let him I wouldn't listen to him or I, I wouldn't I'd talk at him, I wouldn't talk with him. Mm. And then like right after that we started talking on the phone a lot. And we talk on the phone probably every day now. But it's but that conversation was so pivotal. I remember where I was. I remember what time of year it was. I remember so much about that, and I was like, "Yeah, I got to fucking." I, I my biggest problem was standing up for myself. I had a really yeah, hard time standing up for myself. One for me, I couldn't. If you did something to me, I just figured it was me that made you want to do it. Hunter, anybody says anything could be the dumbest advice in the world. I would just go, "Well, he's probably right. I'm a, I'm an idiot, and he's not." So yeah, I deserve gonna, it. I yep, that, I definitely yeah. deserve that. I mean. You know what, what? What was I thinking? Was, did I think that I was talented enough to deserve any sort of respect? Nah. Yeah. Like, I mean, even, even like I'd, I'd write a joke and, and instead of telling people that I wrote it, I'd give it to other people. Sure. Like, even in my stand-up, I'd do that. I'd write the joke and then, because I was afraid no one would lie, I would just tell the joke and then say, oh, my buddy said this. And everyone would be like, man, your buddy's fucking hilarious. I was like. I've done that. I've done, I did that this week. I did that this week. Where I said something and I was like, yeah, somebody once said this. I can't remember what it was, but it was me that said it. Yeah, because I, I didn't want to tell these people it was me that said it because it sounded like wise and like you know it wasn't a joke. It was just like something I can't remember what. Yeah, and I was like, yeah, buddy, mine once said that, and they're like, wow, man, that's pretty fucking. And then they walk around. I was kind of like, why did I just say that? You ever seen the movie Moneyball? Yeah, there's a scene in there which I related to, which is so stupid, but uh, Jonah Hill's talking to uh, to uh, uh, Brad Pitt, and uh, he's like, hey, man, I told you to analyze ten players. Um, how many did you do? And he goes, 43. Actually, I did 52. I don't know why I just lied to you. It's like, yeah. but for some reason, I was kind of like, yep, yeah, I get that. Yeah. Like, why would he lie about something good just because he didn't want to be perceived as better than I would he- never tell people, like, if I had a sold out show, I'd be like, I'm fucking keep that shit to myself. Yeah. I'd never, I was like real weird. And, that, and now I, I think I've gotten, I think I've gotten a lot better about it. But once again, it's one of those things I deal with in therapy where I go, do I, you know, I don't know, but it's that running into all you guys, like, cause I'd lived my life in such a different, on a different, I remember, I remember hanging out at the comedy factory. What was it called in a comedy co- company, Acme or what's one in San Diego that we hung out that night? American comedy company. American yeah, comedy yeah, company. Yeah. I remember coming back and it was like, it was, it was like that New Year's Eve show or something. Yeah. It was the comic con. Comic Con. We were there for Comic Con. We all hung out, and it was so so fun. And I was like, I was like, oh man! I remember me and you just kind of like 
Like it was like, dude, so cool to hang out and not have ego in front of either of our conversations nope. and just kind of shoot the shit and just talk about yeah. music and yeah. f- and I was like the only thing we didn't talk about was comedy yeah until they were like hey by the way you're next you're like oh shit I'll be right back yeah you know? and it was like I remember thinking oh so that's what it's supposed to be like it's not supposed to be someone that goes to fucking you go to a dinner and you and you say a joke and they're like that's mine and then you're like yep. okay or the goddamn resume meeting where I don't care what you got coming up I don't care when you ask a comic hey, hey man how are you Dude, I got this coming up. I got this. I'm auditioning. I'm like, I don't. How are you? Yeah. I don't give a fuck about this whole bullshit that we're all chasing our tails trying to fucking get. Like, how, how are would, you would, as a person? How are you doing? I only, oh, well, I'm glad you asked. I'm horrible. Yeah. You know, my mom's sick. I'm fucking. You know what I mean? Like, okay, now we can talk. I yeah. Don't care what you, all the bullshit you got going on. I would. Uh, yeah. That was uh, that was one of the big, one of the big that that I could probably find that on a graph in my life where I started allowing. That I'm curious what my next phase is going to be. Like I feel like, like, as what, as an artist or as a man or as a person as, or a, as a as a man. I think artist wise, I kind of feel like I feel like I'm challenging myself in all the right directions. Yeah. Like I feel like I go, I want to work on this new hour, but I want to I want to really put down on paper like three comedy uh, like. Really cool things in comedy, like theoretically, like uh, like this is not the right one, but like you know how like George Carlin would take like seven words and then do a bit about seven words. Like imagine if I you, said to you myself, "You could argue he's my all-time favorite comic." Oh, yeah, as a writer, for certain, he made, he's the first person that ever made me laugh when I started doing stand-up. He wrote a book called Brain Droppings. We read it, and I and there was a line about uh, being the leader, a chieftain of a tribe, and telling everyone, "Do not eat the blueberries." Yuck, I don't know what you're laughing at so bad. You ate the dog. Well, I know, but the dog ate the blueberries last night. So, like, whatever. And I fucking howled laughing. And so I look at this next hour I do or the next phase of my stand-up as, like, I want to challenge myself. I saw Bill Burr doing something really brilliant on stage where he was having a a one-sided – You mean you saw Bill Burr on stage? Everything. Man, he doesn't like this, us to fucking glorify him because he's because that's he that kind of dude. And but man, I will tell you right now, he's done a couple things where I just really fucking stopped in my tracks the same way I did with Patrice and went, all right, hold on, I got to rewatch that. I got to see your fucking mechanism in that. Yep. He did a one sided conversation with a, with a with a child, and the stool was the child, and he was talking to the child, and you. I, I thought it was really brilliant. You didn't hear what the child said. You only knew what he said based on what how Bill responded. And I thought, okay, so that's something I've never seen Bill do. And he added it to his act. And I went, I want to add something to my act. I want to find things. I want to take chances in different ways. I want to. I don't want to just tell a story from beginning to end. Like that was a big challenge. Learning how to tell a twelve minute story. Yep. And I'm and I learned how to do that, and that's great. And I can now tell stories really great. But now my not really great. But I can tell stories. I can tell You're stories. A storyteller, you can say that. So yeah, so you can totally now, say that. And now I'm like, I want to learn how to tell. I want to tell a story in a different manner. I want to take a look at Ron White. Ron White tells his story. Or maybe just tell a story from a point of view that's not even your own point of view. Yeah, I, like or like or like just I want to grow artistically, like as opposed to being Woody Allen and or no, that's a bad example, but like. As opposed to being M. Night Shyamalan, where he does the exact type of movie every mean. single time, yep. I want to do that movie. I've done that movie. I can do a ver- der- derivation of that movie, but I also want to do. I want. I'm not saying I want to change my stand up into sad stand up, but I want to take it bigger and find different 
uh, nuances to the art yeah. to incorporate. That's sure. where I'm fucking blown away right now. Where I'm like, okay, that's where I'm gonna go. As a man, I believe, I believe that my next year is more about uh, confidence and being comfortable with who I am. I will, I will agree with that on my on on my own journey. Yeah, same like, thing. I look at like. <laughs> Not to not. so much of it is just like being okay with yourself. Like I just want to be, and that's where confidence comes from, man. I know some com- super confident, complete dumb fucks. Where I'm like, God how are it. you so confident? How where is, is your girlfriend so gorgeous? You're a dipshit. I was like, where is that? Come how are from? you? You know what I mean? Where do you get this fucking? Like, and it's, they're like, just comfortable. Be, they accept themselves for their own flaws. They don't put pressure on themselves. They're fine with who they are. And there's something attractive about that. Yeah. Not even just sexually. To an audience, to a fucking... I've seen plenty of fucking comics that their material sucks, but they sell it so good. And by sucks, I mean... I just don't deem it brilliant. Right. You know, they can make any, a layman laugh. I'm not, I'm not a comics comic. You yeah. know, there's certain comics that get on stage and like other comics come in the room. It's like, damn, I gotta go. I gotta see what Louie's up to now. Yeah. You know what I mean? Whatever. I'm not talking about well, that, those no, people. No, but that's the, that's the thing is where I go, like the same way I look at like the fat activists, the women who are over, overweight, who own it and go, yeah. fuck you, I'm putting out a calendar of this shit. I love that. And I love that. I go, where do you I get find that? sexy. I go, where do you get that confidence? I want that confidence. I want to find that confidence within myself. I'd love to see a calendar of you. Hey, maybe that's the next phase of my, this <laughs> Why is Bert So Fat campaign yeah. that's all over me right now. So 100,000 calendars of you just fucking, you know. I'll do fucking. Petting a cat and a bathing straight suit. Straight up nudes. God, I love that shit. <laughs> just got an oven mitt on your dick. Oh, but like I, I look at that. Like I look at the guys who go to the store and do sets that aren't, that aren't maybe the greatest comics, but they're still trying new stuff and they're really taking chances. And I go like, I, man, what the fuck's wrong with me? I'll do that on the road. I'll always take chances on the road. But when I go to the store, the improv, I'm like, I'm kind of doing shit I know that works because I feel like it's a showcase club. Well, it is. And it's like I did friends and family on Monday. And, you know, Adam is in there who's a talent coordinator. If anybody doesn't know, he's the guy that can, you know, make or break whether you have a spot or not. And he's in there. His job is to watch on Monday, but he wasn't in there right before my spot, like at eight forty-five or nine o'clock or whatever. And I looked in there, and I'm like, "Cool, Adam's not in here yet," because I was doing all new shit. Yeah, you know. And I had no idea how it was going to go or wasn't going to go. But Monday's the perfect night to try out new shit. And then right before I went in, he came and sat down, and I was like, "Fuck." Yeah. But it went great. It went really good. I had a good set, and you know. Had he not even been in there, I wouldn't have even remotely given a fuck. And he's like one of my best friends. Yeah. But now he has this title, so I'm like, shit, man, if this goes bad, I might not be getting spots for a while. You know, you have all that shit in your oh. head. But as an artist, man, that's if we're not taking risks, we're not moving forward. I got an email from the improv uh, two days ago, and they're like, hey, we know you're in town. These are the shows we'd like you to do, dot, 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 dot. And then in my head, I was like, I wish they'd tell you what show there's shows they were going to be at so I could just go in under the radar but then you know what a confident person does it just goes awesome I'll cool. take all of them yeah exactly right but I'm not like in my head it's like I don't know so I was so scared of the road when I started then I got so comfortable on the road that I'm like oh I don't give a fuck man now you're scared of clubs I go yeah now I go yeah now I look at the LA and I'm like I don't want to fucking 10 minutes is tough for me because everything I do is a little breathier yep and I'm like I'm like I don't know man this one chunk I'm working on I feel like that's like like I don't know. I, like, I would love to get to that place where I'm just like, where I'm like, you know what? Calling in my avails. I'm going. I'm doing spots. I'm fucking here. I walk in. I do my spot. I go home. I go to sleep with my family. But my brain's 
I don't know. I'm, I'm talking about it in therapy right now. <laughs> there's something about there's something about like um, as time passes in this art form that you know that that that, that we that we do where it feels like walking up a downward moving escalator. You know, just constantly in the middle, like you know, yeah. not going anywhere. You know what I mean? You're just right in the middle, and it's like that's all right. Yeah, but it's hard to look at the people that are like up at the top and not look down at the people behind you ch- chasing in your being t- cool to fail is is a fucking like being like like tr- not not what we were saying about like sabotaging a set but like saying i'm gonna try and i'm gonna fail and i'm cool with that like i don't mind that on the road because i have an hour to win them back but in hollywood i have a problem with like going no no this is brand new 10 minutes and none of it may work yeah and i'm it may work for me it may work so that when i go home have you done uh, Nick Youssef's uh, new material show? I. It's a fun one if you haven't because it t- totally puts an umbrella over everything we're talking I've about. Done. You're not allowed to do anything you've ever done. I, and everybody bombs no matter who wait, it is. Does Jeremiah have one of those too? Jeremiah has the, the audience just yells out topics and you have yeah. to talk about that, which is also fun. Because yeah. both those things give us a crutch to fail. Where we always have it. We always have that limp. Fuck, I got to do Nick's. I want to do Nick's. I love those new new material shows yep. because I feel like, okay, we know what we've got. This is what we're working on. Yep. Let's see if this happens. Yep. And literally, no matter who it is, at the end of like a chunk, you're like, eh, I mean, there's something in there, I think. Yeah. And that's like everybody's because that's what, that's what comedy chunk. is. That's yeah. what comedy is, is that comedy is not... It's, one of the things I heard Jim Brewer saying this, I might have been saying it to Rogan, but I remember him and Rogan talking about it on, I think on his Raw Dog show, and he was saying, dude, one of the biggest flaws in this business are those people who are afraid to fail, who are afraid to bomb. Because if, if you go up and you just need to murder every time, you don't grow. And failing, dude, I can figure out more about a bit by it not working at all, then it kind of working. Yeah. If it kind of works, I'm kind of fucking lost. If, yeah, if it kind of works, I don't know how to tinker it because I don't know where it's wrong. Right. But if it's like clear, And if it kind of works with areas. me strong armoring it yep. or pandering it, then I'm like, well, I don't know. what. Well, fuck, maybe I'll keep the pandering. That seemed to work. Yeah. But if it doesn't work at all, I go, okay, I know exactly what words I need to take out. Really fucking fascinating. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a crazy art form. And it's like it's the only art form that people show up with their arms folded. No one goes to an art museum with their arms folded like, let's see what this fuckhead can paint. Yeah. No one goes to fucking see Wilco like, all right, idiots, let's see you rock. Yeah. Like they're they're stoked for that reason. But people come cynically to sit in that audience like, I bet you can't. Yeah. It's like it's it's very similar to magic. It's magic very set up, similar set up to punch, magic. man. Misdirection. It's all misdirection. People go to see magic shows like, I bet you can't trick me. That's what stand-up is. Stand-up's like social magic. I wish I had the I wish we had the audiences that strippers get where they're like, uh, no, I, I already like this. No, they you don't. <laughs> <laughs> no, you don't. <laughs> you say that now, bro. Well, we're back to be careful what you wish for. Yeah. <laughs> You're doing the machine while fucking idiots are stuffing, coked up fucking idiots are stuffing oh. ones into your fucking shorts. Fuck. Which would put me into another tax bracket, I assume. <laughs> I remember Rogan one time gave me some of the best advice, and I do think about it weekly, and this is a decade ago. Weekly, I think about this. He came to watch me up in the belly room, and I was like, hey, you're next in the belly room, and Rogan's like, I'm going to come watch TV. And I'm like, fuck. You know? Yeah. And I had a great set, and this is like 10 years ago, and at that time I was kind of like, 
uh, for lack of better terms, like a Stephen Wright kind of joke, 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 yeah. joke. You know, a lot of funny jokes. And I had a really good set. And I full-on expected Rogan to be like, dude, you're brilliant, hilarious, you killed, yeah. that kind of shit. And he's like, dude, they probably saw like, he's like, fun, yeah, you have funny jokes. They probably saw 15 comics tonight. Maybe they'll remember three of your jokes at the water cooler the next day. No clue who said them. No clue. Yeah. He goes, the minute when you get off stage and people come up to you and they, f- they think they know you personally... And they're like, oh, dude, my, I was raised by lesbians. Oh, I'm from this part of the country. Oh, I went to this. You know, when they feel like they know you when yeah. you get off stage, now you're cooking with gas. And ever since, I always remember that. And every time I put a set list together, I'm like, what about this set list is personal that's going to give me that human connection? So funny. The, you know who my person was like that for me was Patrice. Oh. We were getting ready to. You know, I, I, I met him a few times, and he was such a New York comic. Met him, I ne- and everybody just loves him, and I love his stand-up. But personally, I really regret never getting that to have a personal relationship with him. Uh, <laughs> it could have gone flip of a coin. Sure, well, he was he was like that with a, all of us. He was such a fucking difficult person to not only to know, to get to know, but to try to m- be friends with. Marin's. I, I, I sometimes associate him and Marin are the same. Every time yep. I run into him, very sweet. But Marin's very quick to be honest as fuck with me. I like that, too. I like Marin. Marin and I uh, have a good relationship. But we also uh, yeah. have a commonality in alcoholism that, that I, I give him that extra little. Yeah. You know. I love, I love Marin. Me, too. But Marin and Patrice, and I love Patrice. But I find them to be very, like, they did a podcast together that was really great. Because they're very similar people. Is that they're, they're, they're not half listening to you. And when yep. they and when you talk to them, they're not half replying. Right. They're not they're not there for the small talk. Right. If hey, if you wanted to talk, this is what I do for a living, and we, we can do this. And you better get ready. Yeah. Sit down. Don't get your feelings hurt. Yeah. I'm fucking. You're a man. I'm a man. We're not buddies. We're not best friends. Nope. We work together. I like you. This is how I'm going to treat you. Yep. I mean, I, but Patrice came up to me. We were about to do a showcase, and he just in New York. In New York, yet yeah, Caroline's, and I had a set list written down. And Patrice just grabbed my set list and tore it up, and he just goes, "Nah, man, you're not that comic." He goes, "Don't you're not you're not that guy." And I was like, "He's don't ever go up there and recite some jokes to me." He's like, "That's not who you are, man. You go up and you just talk, and you you know you got those in your head." And if you were you, like, "What did you just rip up? That was a suicide <laughs> note, you idiot!" <laughs> did you hear the story about Tracy Morgan where he uh, he had some comic is like writing in a little, little notepad or whatever. Tracy. <laughs> Just grabs it and throws it outside and goes, man, comedy comes from in here, tapping his heart in here. And the comic looks at me and goes, man, you just threw away my contacts. <laughs> That's the best. But but I remember, I remember Patrice saying that to me and I thought to myself, oh, that's right. That's not – and like when I did this – I did my last hour, I was like – I was like trying to figure out a set list and I was like, no, 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 no set list. Like, I know the material. I kind of know the chunks and how I want them to come out. And I'm going to dance through them. And if they change in order, that's fine. And if they change in concept, and if something happens in the room, and I need to, because that's what a comic does. A comic never goes up and says, in rote, or some comics do. I say, I shouldn't say that. Some comics definitely do. But the comics I really love to watch, don't just go, my name's Bert. I grew up in this. This says I did it. You go up and you... You feel the energy, and you take that energy, yeah. and you ride it like a wave. And it, the perfect ones time it out perfectly. And then 
Guys like myself and you, fucking, sometimes we catch it perfect more often than not, but a lot of times we'll fucking be behind it, in front of it, and it's part of figuring out that energy. But yeah. I feel like, I mean, that was one of those pivotal conversations where I was like, I was like, oh yeah, man, I'm not like a, I'm, I'm not, not shitting on Todd Barry, but like, actually Todd's a bad example because he didn't really do that, but like, Dimitri Martin, yeah. he's got like a fucking, he's got like a lined up list, very meticulous, and it goes in rote. It goes in order, and every one of his shows should look identical to the one he did earlier, and he fine-tunes that, and he tightens it, and it's a great way for him to perform. It's just not me. I always say stand-up is very, you know, I'm a big sports fan, and I love MMA, and uh, I always equate stand-up to, like, mixed martial arts, man. You know, some people are great boxers and okay at wrestling and okay at jujitsu, and some people are great at jujitsu. Stand-up's like, some people are great at improv. Some people are great writers. Yeah. Some people are great uh, at, you know, impressions or whatever. But you kind of like, you, in stand-up, some, you, you're great at one thing, but you got to be well-rounded in the others to have longevity. Yeah. Otherwise, you're going to get knocked the fuck out. That's the analogy I've been looking for, you know? is that you do your hour and you're great at your stand-up. Your yep. stand-up, your pound, your fucking your stand-up game. But then you got to learn your jujitsu. You got to learn a little bit of that fucking Muay Thai. Yep. And you got to, and all of that helps when you know a little bit about wrestling and you know how to defend against that. Dude, if you're if you're if you're a great rider and you're set, let's just bang, 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 and and now you got to do crowd work for whatever fucking reason. You're fucked if you don't have that in your arsenal. Yeah. You don't have to be the best at it, but you better fucking be able to go into the deep rounds with that shit if you ever want the belt. And stand-ups is such a big place right now that I think audiences are... Because of this. Podcasting yeah, yeah. changed stand-up. Changed the, di- changed the dialogue entirely. It, it, it gave, it, it, you know, and especially like, you know, people like me um, and a lot of people that are like, yeah, I might work the road, but you're not like, you know, I don't have a Comedy Central special, whatever. All of a sudden... You know, there's people around the world that are like, hey, man, when you come to Australia, I'm like, that's crazy. Dude, how crazy is that? That, like, that, like, the fucking Twitter would blow up and go, when are you two going to get together? Oh, I know. Dude, like, people were mad when last week, by the way, I'm sorry about your funeral. Oh, yeah. But <laughs> the scariest text you fuck had. Oh. So Bert's like, hey, man, uh, let's do next week. You know, I, a, I got a funeral I got to go to. And I'm like, yeah, next week's perfect. How about Wednesday? And you're like, yeah. And I'm like, by the way, sorry about your funeral, buddy. And you're like, oh, it's it's my wife's. And I'm like, you're what? What? You're like, oh, you're really dedicated to your podcast, man. You're back man. in it on Wednesday? You're burying your wife on Tuesday. And here I am on the pod on Wednesday. And you, you know what? You're in great spirits for somebody who's newly single. <laughs> but I read it and I wrote back, my wife's grandmother my wife's grandmother yeah 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 and i was like holy jesus please tell me that's a typo yeah podcasting has changed you guys how long you guys been doing punch drunk uh four years that's fucking when we started we were like you know five six hundred listeners and we were blown away that 500 people were listening to the three of us you know because at that time we all had separate podcasts and we're like dude let's do like a super friends thing and and you know the three of us will just do this and we'll kind of talk we were talking sports in the parking lot Ari, Sam, and I. And we're standing in the parking lot of the comedy store, and we're just talking sports for like 40 minutes. And different friends of ours would come up and interject and say some funny shit, and they'd yeah. walk away. And we're like, dude, this is a podcast. Fuck yeah. Like three comics, half-assed, talking about sports. But we're you talking guys about have done it. You guys have done it out at... You did, you, I remember, weren't you guys doing it at... Um, Toad Hop. John Lovitz. And we were at Lovitz. 
Dude, we, we've had fucking so many studios, but now we're at All Things Comedy over there. That's fucking amazing. And, um, but it's, it's, yeah, man, it's, it's... Have you guys thought about taking it on tour the way they are, they are, the way they are with Fighter and the we've Kid? We've done it a few times, um, and we got a big beef with Fighter and the Kid. We're gonna, we have a plan to fight them and to take them out, and here is our plan. <laughs> big beef with Fighter and the Kid. Uh-huh, yeah, because we have the same sponsor, Tate Fletcher's Caveman Coffee. Yeah. And they get like a billion dollars from Caveman Coffee because their pot <laughs> is so big, and we yeah. get like, I don't you know, not a billion dollars. Uh, but we're grateful for everything we get. But we always like, dude, don't use their code. These guys have three Porsches. There's only two of them. Why are there three Porsches in the parking lot? There's two guys. They don't need money. Use our code. So we have a plan to take them out. And here's our plan. Uh, we're going to get Tate Fletcher and Joe Rogan as our, uh, just for this moment, they'll be our co-host. Sam Tripoli's going to walk in there and start talking shit to them. They're going to tire themselves out punching Sam's face. 20, 30 minutes. Pretty much till he's almost dead. Yeah. Then, when they're tired, <laughs> Rogan much. and Tate come in and beat the living fuck out of those two. <laughs> then, when they're beat up, uh, Ari and I come in and we just go, that's what we thought. <laughs> I like this. I yeah. like this yeah, plan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love, I love, I love how well, how well their, their live, live shows are doing. But, man. I love I, both of those guys. I love We, we had Chob on. I love. Um, I had what fun. a fucking teddy bear, a sweet he's guy. the fucking greatest, man. Oh. Just lo- both of them. Uh, Callan is one of those guys that uh, I did a show with him at the Improv uh, a couple weeks back, and it was like me, Callan, Dane Cook. There's a few other people on it, and you know I'm outside just smoking and you know going through my set list before fucking Tracy Morgan throws it in the trash, and um, <laughs> uh, and then they're like, "Hey, Callan's on the new." I'm like, "Oh, I'm gonna run. I gotta watch Callan because he's just so." Brian Callen, to me, was the guy that sat next to me in the back of class at high school that always just made me laugh and got me kicked yeah. out of school. Got me kicked out of, like, both of you guys, principal's office. Yeah. And like, damn it. I got to see one of their live shows. I talked to Frank Mir, like, a couple weeks ago. Really? And he was like... How's he? I've never met him. Oh, he's great. Yeah? Me, uh, me him, and Richard is his co-host. There's nothing you and I could do if he was mad at us. We would just be like, well, we're, we would hug each other and cry and then we would die together. I couldn't stop looking at him and thinking, if he was passed out in a hotel room, could I kill him if, if he was passed out? Could I ha- could I kill him? Right. Like, say he's passed out, sound asleep. Yeah. With that kind of a head start. Could, <laughs> could I kill him? Head start. Like, I said to Tate Flood, Tate was on our show. He's been on a bunch of times and I, lo- I, yeah. I can't say how much I love Tate, but he was on. I was like, let me ask you this, bro. Three of us, me, Ari, and Sam, you, in the octagon, is there any way the three of us could beat you up at one time? God, no. Yeah. He goes, the three of you have never experienced concussive striking. Oh, concussive. You know those two words that could go together, concussive striking. But as soon as he said concussive striking, I'm like, I'm out. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> like, if, what if one of us had a gun? He goes, none of you pussies know how to shoot a gun. <laughs> and you better hit me right in the head with your one shot you get off. It would definitely be Otherwise, the pull going, oh shit, where's the safety? I know, I know. And then I'm bleeding from every part of my body. I used to, I used to, I said this a long time ago, and it, I, but I wanted to, uh, I wanted, I wish there was a show where you'd strap $100,000 onto the back of Frank Mir, and it's like, me, you, Sam, and Ari, and whoever gets it off his back gets to keep it. And you got to get, but he, and then he just fucking, you're like, all right, let's go. And you're just running around. That's where we use our number one distraction, Sam's face. And then Sam's face. While he's wearing out <laughs> Sam's face like a catcher's mitt, fucking you and triply. I and, and Ari grab that loot 
Dude, we could throw triply ten grand for a new face. Fuck yeah, that's ninety grand. That's thirty grand each, bro. He's got a good head of hair. He didn't need the fucking mm-hmm. whole face. Triply's for one of the first people I ever met that came up to me and was was kind. Triply is one of the most generous comedians in all of the comedy scene. Yeah, nobody has given me more gigs when nobody else would give me a gig. Nobody else was like, dude, I can only throw you seventy five bucks, but I'll take you on the road. You can crash in my hotel. It's like nobody, and he. Not only does that for me, for everybody, Tripoli's like that. It, you know, if man, he wasn't so generous, he'd probably be super famous. There's a socialist mentality. If he wasn't mentality, so willing to give it to everybody. There's a socialist mentality, I think, at the store. More of like a fraternal, like, hey, yeah. man, we got to help each other out. Only comedy club like that in the world. It's not like that at the improv. It's not like that. I, I can't think of a club that's it's not like, like that. not like that on the road. Any clubs in New York that are, that are have that? Uh, the cellar. cellar. The yeah. cellar had like a... Like a to this day, or it used to. I haven't been there in so long. Okay. Um, I don't even. Know, I mean, I man, I don't even know if anyone I know hangs out there. I mean, Big J hangs out there. Chicago's got a great comedy scene right now. Really, unbelievable. Where they got a new club called Up that uh, Second City just opened. Yeah, I heard about the comedy that. bar. Um, Zanies, the Laugh Factory is a blast. Like, there's like six clubs, and they're all really close. And the whole scene there, dude. When I was going, I would do the Laugh Factory. And then I'd run over to another club, and everybody was at the Lab Factory is now at the other club. And it was very, I was really, and if you look over the last 10 years, how many great comics have come out of that town? They've got a, they've got a fucking. Kyle Kinane, I couldn't love more. I think Kyle Kinane is one of the top 10 comics in the country. He said one of the funniest things that's ever been said on this podcast ever. We were talking, and I said something to the effect of, I said, owls are my spirit animal. And he was like, What? I goes, owls are my spirit animal. Like, I just see them everywhere. He's like, wait, whoa, what is this? I go, my wife says that if you start noticing things a lot in society, like they used to start catching air, like, wow, I'm seeing owls a lot, then that's your spirit animal it's showing itself to you, and that you have to try to look into it and see what that means about you or what that means. Minor to- ducks. <laughs> Kyle Kinane goes, oh, I guess my spirit animal's hot dogs. <laughs> 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 he's, he's great. He is the best, man. I, I'll, you really got an owl thing? I see owls Dude, everywhere. It's crazy because when I was in rehab, like my, where my bed was, I had a nice room, not going to lie, but uh, outside this window was this big, like, wintry scene, and it was like a koi pond right there. And there was this tree that had owls in it, but it had two little baby owls that were about the, that big. Really? Yep. And you would always just see the little babies, and they're nocturnal, so it would always be nighttime where they'd be making these horrible noises. Holy shit. And it's like a one mom and then two little little ones. And I, I literally could just lay my... It was like if there was a window right here with that tree, I could just lay here and just watch the... It was so peaceful and serene. I went hunting with owls in Scotland, and I had a really cool moment with an owl where, you, you know, you're walking around, uh-huh. it's a bird of prey, and you're trying to find rabbits or little field mice or whatever. You're not going to eat them, but it was... So you just, have like a falconer glove on Yeah, a falconer like glove that. and an owl. Big ass fucking bird. Yeah, I mean big. Did it have like the ass. hat thing on where it could only? No, nope, okay. Nope. It had. Uh, I mean, my, my, my I've and I've since uh, done falconry with owls probably three other times, but so I don't remember totally. But I do remember me and this owl and a, a field mice running, and the owl just like turned its head and looked at me like, "Is that my gig?" And I was just like, "Huh?" And you like give it a little, and it just fucking took off. Really? As it comes back. It was fucking amazing to have that kind of symbio- symbiotic relationship with an Where animal. Where was it? Scotland? Scotland, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it was Scotland. I'm only sure it was Where Scotland. have you gone that you were just like, I, uh, it exceeded your expectations on beauty and, and it, where you were just like, Vietnam. 
Vietnam. Vietnam. Wow. Vietnam. In the 70s or recently? <laughs> <laughs> Huge difference. A very big difference. I couldn't get people to go to Vietnam. Yeah. I kept going, let's go to Vietnam. They're like, we're not going to Nam, man. I was like, it's not Nam. We're not going to Nam. But yeah, Vietnam blew me away. How like, so? Um, the energy of the city was really up. It was always up. So like when you were in the city, you fucking... You felt alive. You didn't need coffee. You didn't. Their culture is very aggressive in that they're just, yeah, like, yeah, let's go. Like shuffling you places. And we rode motorcycles through Hanoi and it was just fucking chaos. It was like, fuck, like. Like Armageddon. Oh, it was insane. And then, and then we got out of the cities and went, took a train out into uh, some, I wish I was better with names, but we took a five hour hike into the jungle and ended up at a cave and stayed in. It's just so gorgeous. Wow. So gorgeous. And what was what, the thing that was impressed upon me the most was that I was so amazed at how beautiful it was. And I just, all I could think was how every 19 year old boy in, in 1969 had such a different view of it. Like yes. how they couldn't, all this beauty was just looked like terror. Like sure. it, it, all, it was all uh, things hiding around the corner. Um, and then we went. We took. We went rock climbing out in Halong Bay and took a junk boat through there. And it was just like it was fucking amazing, man. The food was spectacular. The idea that you could just go and pull into a cafe and have a beer and be this big, tall, ice cold beer, and then they just bring prawns over to you and you're dipping them into this lime and peppermint. And it was just real, like like five bucks. Thanks. That was one of the best meals I've ever had in my life. It was just fucking Vietnam really blew me away. New Zealand is a place that if I could go. If I could go back to a place, it would be news. If I if if my wife and daughters fucking die, if they get abducted by aliens, uh-huh. I might take off to New Zealand and just restart. Yeah, yeah. Maybe beautiful people down there. Fucking yes. For a gigantic like island that was like just for prisoners, they came out looking pretty fucking sweet. A fu- just have a bunch of sheep. I've never met an ugly Australian or New Zealander or an unkind one. I I loved Australia. Australia was pretty amazing, but New Zealand is more majestic. Yeah, like New Zealand has a very Colorado, but with a big dick feel. Mm. Like like if Colorado had a fucking big black dick, it uh-huh. would be New Zealand. <laughs> well, there's a travel poster for him. Yeah, uh, New Zealand. New Zealand. We're like Colorado with a fucking monster black prick. <laughs> Like if Shaq in Colorado had a baby. <laughs> Where would you like to go? Where's one place you haven't gone? Oof. I mean, I really haven't traveled a super lot. I've always wanted to go to Tokyo. Yeah. Tokyo just seems like another, like it would be like going to an alien world. Yeah. It just seems so gigantic and, and the Orient's so like exotic to me. Tokyo's. Um, It'd be fun to be two feet taller than everybody. What will blow you the most away about Tokyo is just how quiet everyone is. Like you go into their busiest train station, their Grand Central Station at rush hour, thousands of people getting off trains, getting on trains, just like you'd imagine fucking O'Hare at Christmas. It's the same. Yeah. Silent. Silent. No one's fucking speaking. That would freak me out. And you just like, and then you end up whispering. What's like a homeless situation there? What's like the poor people or panhandling? I don't don't think I've ever seen a homeless person Yeah, you don't really hear that much about that there. I think they're, they're, you know, one of the main things with Asian cultures, they're set up to take care of their parents. South Africa, I would love to go to. Oh, that's fucking pretty amazing. I would love to go to South Africa. South Africa, I had some fucking badass experiences in South Africa where you just like, I think I got PTSD in South Africa. 
Um, I, I did so just I just fucking I just had like a trip where I, I I it started it was two weeks and it started in Tanzania and ended in Cape Town mm. and it was like I mean it was just fucking everything you'd ever want to do like safari uh, sleeping where you can hear lions roaring See, jumped off the world's tall that. stadium j- rappelled off table mountain swam with great white sharks fucking helicopter rides into the Maasai tribe drank goat's blood with the Maasai chief Oof. fucking threw spears rolled bones with the fucking Zulu tribe did a whole fucking priestess ceremony with this Zulu high priestess it was I mean it was just one of those things where you just like when I got done I came back and I was like I mean I feel like I should be jacking off or something. Like, I mean, I'm, I, I was, like, up, and I couldn't dial it down. I could not come down off that trip. Where where have you gone that you were like, fuck that, man. I never wanted that place. just seems scary or dangerous, or you just didn't feel safe. I don't think I've ever been to a place that I felt unsafe. I, I don't think I've ever been to a place that I felt unsafe, but everyone felt unsafe when we were in, uh, when we were in uh, Rio. Like everyone was felt like everyone was Rogan's like, man, I ain't going to, you know, all those, all those Brazil fights. He's like, I don't know, man, I ain't ready to be kidnapped. And we went up into, we went up into the, um, favelas. So we took, uh, motorcycles up into the favelas Uh and those are like the, the, the ghetto, the barrio, but they're really fucking dangerous. Yeah. Really dangerous. And, uh, we went up there and I, I don't know if I was just oblivious to it. There's a lot of places in Mexico that are scary too. I went to Mexico City with Rachel Ray, and we fucking had bodyguards. But and man, I don't know what it is about my personality, but I just feel that I feel this sense of of like I don't know. Like I, I ended up taking my bodyguard out in Mexico City, which you're totally not supposed to do, and just going, "Come on, let's go party." And I had this guy with a gun on his side, and we just went from bar to bar, and he just stayed with me. He didn't speak any English. And I spoke horrible fucking Spanish. And we just went out partying for a night. Had a fucking blast. Like, got lost in the city. He knew where we were the whole time. But I'm like, come on, let's go here. Walk into a bar. And it was just, I just loved it, man. No air conditioning and fucking, it was like, I, I mean, my, my memories of things are often grandiose, painted with this fucking comedian. Yeah. Grandiose brush. But like, no window, just cement behind a thing in there. You walk in, everyone stares at you, and I and I know I got a bodyguard with me who either wouldn't let me in here if it was really dangerous or would stop me, but he does have a gun with him, so we're fucking, like, nothing's so happening. So does everybody, probably. Exactly. But that was, like, that was a really fun, that was a really fun... In a sense of excitement and excitement. a little we bit did of adrenaline, a little bit of danger. Thing. Same thing in Rio, man. We went up to the favelas, we went to this bar that was up in the favelas, and then I got my two, I was with two travelers, and I was like, let's go fucking, let's get lost. I go, let's get lost. Love that. And we fucking got lost, and we ended up having a soccer game with a bunch of kids and their really? little soccer thing. That's so cool. And, and what's, what's really badass about this is that, so their soccer their soccer field for in a favela is, it's cement. It's like, a, it would be like uh, like a miniature tennis court, like a basketball court, probably a basketball court size. Yeah. Except all the houses are built up on it. So the walls are houses. So it's all buildings with a hollowed out, area where kids play soccer so all the families have their are looking out the windows as in, as they're watching a stadium game gambling and they're just looking at you and i'm i'm a loud motherfucker and i'm talking shit and these kids are laughing because i'm a horrible soccer player and they're fucking and these kids are really good and then our film crew catches us they 
fucking find us and they come over and they start shooting it and it was just so badass that you're like and these kids are like and you just giving I'm giving every kid fucking money I'm sure like, it's all fucking fake to me I have per diem so I'm like I don't give a shit yeah. like you guys go go get fucking sodas whatever go get go, 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 go get bullets this, we go up to this bar in the favelas we uh, you can it's a hotel you can stay at the hotel walk in one of the most beautiful views ever of all of Brazil, all wow. of all of Rio, and you're just up there. And you're Isn't like, it amazing how the poverty there has that view. That's the fuck. That is one of the most fascinating. That is one of the most fascinating facts about those favelas is that they are the lowest rent. Fucking just. I mean, I, I say slums respectfully, but they're yeah. the poorest areas. Sure. And it, it is. They are the most fantastic views of all of Brazil. All of it is just. Yeah, man. Those things. See, I don't look at them as scary. You know, and I did the same thing. I went, I went into uh, one of the, I guess it's called a shanty town in South yeah. Africa. Yeah, that is what it is. Yeah, I went to a shanty town in South Africa. Went to a bar. Went drinking in a bar in a shanty town, and I'm sure that was fucking unsafe. But you just, I don't know. Maybe I think you're with a TV crew, or you at least know they're right around the corner. You know you're fine. You've got a fixer. Yeah. But that those those moments like that, you just get. I get really excited. Yeah. Or like I, I love getting lost in where those. where were like were you like where were beers the cheapest. Where were they like, I can't believe I just paid that for a fucking beer? Like, where were you like, damn, a beer's a quarter? And then, then you're somewhere else, you're like, wow, $12 for a fucking beer? No, probably, probably in those favelas. Like, I remember just buying, I remember buying out all the beer. Yeah. Like, man, like, being like, guys, I don't think you're have enough for how I feel right now. I'm not coming down out off of this. Right. And I just, I mean, I just bought, I bought everyone beers and they were the big, tall ones. In Brazil, I think probably, Vietnam was like, Vietnam, I would just buy cases and cases of beers. Yeah. And because, yeah, because you're buying it for your whole crew. And so you just fucking tear through it. Same with, you know, all of Africa, South, South Africa is expensive as fuck. That's what I hear. Yeah, it was not cheap. But, uh. But yeah, man, you, they have a comedy festival in South Africa. You should do it. Really? Yeah, South African Comedy Festival. And have you done I think it? they set up a tour. Um, Aaron, Aaron books it, I think, out of the improv. I'm almost certain. But that is the, that's the one thing that I wish that I'd done more of when I was younger. Only reason I say this is now with kids, it's really hard for me to get away for a month. Like, to, even to do yeah. fucking Montreal, my wife is a little bit like, seriously. And is that what it used to be? The only reason I don't I don't go to Montreal for the stand up. I go to hang out with comics. Yeah. Like the only reason I went, only reason I've ever gone, I'm, I don't get anything out of it. No one's fucking seeing me there. No one's like, oh, this Bert Kreischer guy who's been around seventeen years. Can't wait to see him do stand up. Yeah. And they, they've they're all past that with me. I think. Yeah. And uh, but I go and I it's like the last time I went I was was with I just ended up fucking doing calling Ari at the middle of the day. What are you doing now? Let's go do something. Let's go fucking let's go have lunch and talk about fucking comedy for an hour. Let's go fucking let's go fuck with the black comics. Ari's done it right. He I'll tell you what he cares about comedy so much. The whole broad spectrum of it. He it's you know of course we're all in it for ourselves. Of course Ari's in it for Ari, but Ari's in it for comedy too. You know Ari created a show for comedians to perform. Ari created a show that's like hey look how great Ari is. Yeah. Ari's like, look how funny all my friends are. Ari called me the other day about going up to uh, Calgary. And I was like, he's like, dude, I'm going to Calgary. I'm fucking going camping. I'm doing one show. I'm going to be there for Stampede. And he didn't say stuff like, I'd like you to go. He goes, you're going. Like, this is what you need in life. This is what's missing in your life. 
You don't get this. You're doing father dad shit. You're doing work stuff. You're doing your own touring. Fucking remember how fun stand up is when you're with your friends. Yeah. It's one of the things that I miss. You know, Tom and I used to work with Jay Moore, and one of the, one of the one of the greatest parts was you know when Jay was on stage and Tom and I were just shooting the shit. Yeah. Or when you'd be traveling and you could commiserate. You and Tom would have to share a room or share a fucking. You know, whatever. Just sit in a green room and just bullshit. You don't get that when you're headlining. It's like fucking very lonely when you're headlining. Fucking really lonely. As you're with your buddies, you you get stuck with somebody you don't fucking know. And I got I, I have this thing, this old school belief, and I no one's gonna fucking appreciate this in me, <clears throat> but I believe that you. Sh- I believe that it is beneficial to comedy in general if I don't take someone with me. Why do you say that? Because if I leave, if I allow. The local kid in Chicago who uh, I worked with two kids that were both really funny this week. If I allow them the opportunity to feature and live at home and hang out with me, I've just been doing it longer. I'm not saying I'm better, but I've been doing it longer and bullshit with me and shoot the shit with me and get on in front of my audience. Then I help that scene. I I feel like that. That's right. You know, I feel like those. And like how many times were we that guy? Dude, I I was never that guy because I never got. To feature, I I only got taken on the road. Okay, but like, I, I, no, no, no. I I was that guy. I was that guy, and I was that guy. I got. You're right. I'm wrong about that. I got taken out, meaning sent to feature. A, like a for George's first year, I got sent to feature all over the country with the best comics, yeah. like really great fucking comics and guys that I don't that aren't even doing comedy, but I just worked a lot as a feature and I learned a lot and I and I was lucky enough to be plugged in and I wasn't a local comic because local comics they didn't even have local comics in Sacramento at the time. I feel like mm. you know Sacramento was such, it was like a dying scene and but that was so, it was such a great experience to like. To be able to work with Dave Attell. I was so grateful that he didn't bring a feature with him yeah. and that I got to be the feature. Or yeah. Louis C.K., you know? Like, I look at it now and I go, maybe I'm doing that. Maybe it's short-sighted. Maybe that's really short-sighted. Because sometimes it's backfired. Like, I've definitely worked with guys that their only goal is to try to blow me off stage. And you're just like, luck with that. hey, man, can you just fucking appreciate the fact... I go. I said to one kid one time we were working, and he's having great sets. He's murdering. But I go, I go you're doing really great. It's, you're not going to blow me off the stage. That's not going to happen. It will not happen. Yeah. I, I will. They've paid to see me. I promise you. I just have to tell this machine story, and I've got him again. Yep. Like there's, and you're I, forgotten. Yeah. And I go, but I go. You should really be writing. Like you should really enjoy this time yeah. and be writing and working on stuff. I go. I listen to your first. I listen to your show like Thursday and Friday, and it's the same shit. I don't want to watch you Friday Saturday, and I kind of don't appreciate your insight in comedy because you've been doing it for 10 years and you can only do 20 minutes and it's verbatim and it's verbatim you're, you're going a, to your tape recorder with a heartbeat yeah and i'm like you got to be fucking david tell told me i've said this a million times but i'll say it a million and one i love it the first time i worked with him i did thursday two shows thursday i murdered first show murdered second show same set little tighter little tighter little fucking i'd fat felt trimmed crowd. yeah fat trimmed friday man go up Light it on stage. Every time I got on stage, Dave would say, how's the show? How's the audience? How's the audience? Friday, I get done my show, and I'm now I'm like dialed in. Mm-hmm. I got that same set I did Thursday, so tight. And until gets, I get off stage, and he goes, oh, was really funny. How about writing some new jokes? Yeah. And I went, really? And he goes, look, man. <clears throat> he goes, you're only going to get this opportunity to be the guy that no one gives a fuck about once in your life. He's like, if you don't bust your ass and try to create 
as much as you can right now, then you'll get to headlining and you'll have one hour and you'll never know how to write on stage and you'll just be stuck with that hour. Mm. And I was like, whoa, I literally took that like it was the Bible. And was like, every time I get up on this feature, I do like a good opening. I fuck around. I try to find some new material. I try to write some new material. I I, I had a closer. So all I needed was an opener and a closer. And that 15 minutes in between was all me trying to write. And it was like... Dude, That's what I always do, man. Yeah. Whenever I have to do a set list, even if it's just one of these fifteen-minute little things that we get around LA or whatever the fuck, I'm always like, I'm gonna start get, to, get earn their trust. Yeah, I'm gonna close good. In the middle's all the new shit I'm working on. Yeah, it should be, yeah. and that's like the one thing. Like, but I, having said that, I I think that it's a little short-sighted because I do the road can get depressing, and you do somewhat sometimes feel like, well, fuck, if I brought my friends with me. Yeah. This would be really fucking doable. Yeah. Like like I mean I mean I one time I one time worked with Renazizi. This was like Who I love, love, love. How did you open the door, Priscilla? You afraid of dogs? Not in the least, but Okay, babe. good. Um But like uh I I worked with Renazizi and Court uh Court McCowan. Love both those guys. And uh and man, we had a fucking blast. Like we had a legit I think it was one show. It's hard to not have fun show. with Ren is easy. And uh, what's up, Pris? Hi. Hi. Well, you're a big girl, yeah. And she, uh, and man, we went out. I have, still have pictures of that on my YouTube. Really? And that was so, or not my YouTube, my Facebook. Uh-huh. That was one of the funnest fucking weekends. And I was like, oh, dude, this is what, because it was like, it was like, there was no fucking ego. There was no like. It was just fucking a bunch of dudes who loved comedy, doing comedy, and then partying our balls and off having afterwards. having fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those are those times. I always tell, and not by any means am I like some great comic that should be, you know, Neither, dispensing advice like a pest Anyone dispenser. listening to this, we're, there's no ego involved here. We're just two fucking comics. But I always meet, you know, these people that are younger and they're doing all those kind of shows. I'm like, remember these times. Oh. Remember the times when you only had, when you couldn't do 15 minutes but you, and you're not worried about money, and you're not you're just worried about your next set. You know those times. Oh, I just wish I could quit my day job and just do this. I'm like, these are the times you're going to remember when you are sweating your ass off about uh, uh, money, dude. There's so much. I look at it now, when and you start I go, paying your rent from this. It changes a lot when you when you are paying orthodontist bills straight up from this. I you're bet. you're like you're like God damn it, man. Like. Bonuses mean something else, you know. Yeah. Fucking doing radio means something else. My ego means something else, dude. My ego. When I was a kid, I was like, I was like, fucking man. I don't. Even, I remember going to Sacramento. I don't want to do this fucking stupid radio station. I'm fucked, them man. Like, and I remember them. The, the club owner was like, uh, you know, it'll help sell tickets. And I go, it's bullshit radio. They don't get my style of comedy. I'm not going to give them five jokes. I'm not going to fucking. To have them lead into five. Now I look at it and I'm like, "Hey man, any press you can get, I'll do all of it. Yeah. I want tickets. I want people there. I'll do local podcasts. I'll do anything I can." Because I'm like, I'm like, it's a, it's a job. It's definitely a job. Yeah, and, I and love doing local podcasts. I love that shit, love man. It, love it, and the gratitude that those people have, and their fan bases have. More people come out, and I, I mean, don't let any, like radio stations will listen to this anyway. Uh, fuck local radio. No. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but the, the, the people that come out from a local podcast. Dude. Overshadow a fucking giant radio station a lot. Think about unless our podcast. Paper, unless they paper that room. Think about our podcast and how. Unless our- KCR, who gives a fuck, is paper in that room. Yeah. That local podcast, those people come out. 
There's still sta- there are still markets where radio totally makes a difference. Of course. But man, when you do a local podcast, think of like the guys who support us. Me, yes. you, Sam, Ari, fucking uh Joey, everybody. Rogan, Buns, all it's you know, we all share from the same well of of Comedy fans, like. comedy, comedy fans, comedy fans, and they, a lot of them get to know all of us from getting to know, uh, from listening to us talk to each other, from listening to. Yeah, dude, I was at. Um, I get asked to speak a lot at AA meetings. Do you really? Yeah. Watch out! Who grab that stuff? She's gonna literally sit on all your shit. That's fine. She has no concept of such a small dog. Hi, you're just a little lap dog, aren't you? Um, Nine hundred pound. Just so you know, she does do this thing where if you're not looking at her, she'll go like this. Oh, okay, that's but, not intimidating. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, <laughs> you're a little baby. You're just a baby. Um, I get to speak a lot. So I, I, I was speaking at at a meeting the other day, and I walk in, I sit down, and this guy's staring at me. You know, I speak for like half hour, and then everybody in the room talks. And this kid goes, well, I'd never seen before. Uh, he, you know, he shared about his own personal experiences, and he's like, I, you know, it's, it's just, it, it's a sign to me that you were the speaker, and I'll tell you why later. After I'll, I'll talk to you later. I was, you know, next half hour, I'm kind of like, what the fuck? Do I owe this kid money? Or, you know, who knows what I've done in my past? I don't even fucking know. And then afterwards, he comes up to me, and he goes, man, I'm a huge fan of Duncan Trussell's podcast. Yeah. And he goes, um, for some reason, I the only one I hadn't listened to was the one that you just did. And he's like, you know, like 47 days ago, I was living in my car and I had my still had my phone and just going to sleep in the car. I listened to your fucking podcast with Duncan talking about getting sober. And he's like, the next day I quit drinking. I haven't had a drink in 48 days. And then you walk in as a speaker. Never even knew me and didn't know fucking who the fuck I was. Shut and you're up. like, fuck, man, you never know how we can touch people, how we affect people, how the power that we have with these podcasts and with these giant audiences that we get, how we can affect and change other people's lives for the better. And I can sit here and brag about how great everything is, and I can sit here and be dishonest and talk about what a great comic I am or whatever, but I can also talk about my struggles with just being a human being Yeah. and other people like, fuck, man, you, you changed my life and with your honesty. But, it's, but what it is... Dude, what I it cried is, when this kid said this to me. Some 24-year-old kid, I cried when he said this shit to me. But what it is, it's, it's not... You're not... I mean, we're we're talking about this as if, as if, it's we're talking about this. But what what the truth of this is is that you're not Priscilla. Leave him alone, Priscilla. <laughs> you're not manufacturing any of it. Cute dog. Like like when you did, oh don't be when you did Ari's podcast and you shared that wasn't like that wasn't like from a publicist who was like, hey man, you know what'd be good for your career. Go in, call Ari, see if you can get on his podcast. And that's the worst part is like when you get publicists who are like, hey, can you get on Joe's podcast? And they're like, no, 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 no. That's not what this is about. Yeah. That's, I'm not using my friend. And by the way, our friends would all promote our shit for each other without a doubt. Anytime any of us anytime. have an album come out, anytime we have a special coming out, anytime we have anything we want to promote. Yeah. Did you make that call? It's like, absolutely. Come on this of week. Of course. But but it's when you when you hear like a publicist say, can you get on Rogan for this? And you're like, No. No, that's not how this works. Like this is a this is an honest exchange. Yeah. Like if I if I do Joe, if I do Rogan's podcast because he's called and he said, "Hey, can you do it?" I'm not fucking hey horseshoe horseshoe me into your week because yeah. I got a project I want to promote. Yeah, this ain't Craig Kilborn. This, this is, is yeah, yeah. This is fucking different. genuine. This is us talking to each other and 
hopefully there's some fucking kid that like we were at 27, 25 years old going, I, maybe I could do this. Can you fucking imagine? Uh, you know, for, 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 you know, I'm 43. I'm 43 too. Um, my connection to comedy and stand up comedy was network television. Who was on Carson? Who was on Letterman? Who had an HBO special? And that was it. There was no Comedy Central. There was, and books. Yeah. You know, and albums, actual wax albums. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, that's, that's what we knew. Could you imagine what it would have meant? To us at 12 or 13 to be able to listen to George Carlin's podcast out of his own house while he's talking to fucking uh, Dom Herrera or what how that would have and them talking about what it's like to be a comic and them talking about all the booby traps and don't get into this and here's how you should write and here's how you should be thinking about your set list. Dude, I motherfucker. St- I still get excited when I see like DePaulo's on a podcast that he's like. I go, or like Voss is on a Dude, podcast. Louis Anderson on Marin. I'm like, wow, cool. I would love, you know, that's got to be, I haven't listened to it yet, but that's the new it's one great. that's out. I'm like, It's Whoa. really great. Yeah, yeah I but like, great. But like that, I mean, that's how I felt about podcasting when it started. When I, when I listened to these guys that I'd, like, I heard Stanhope on Marin, and I was like, whoa, this is going to be fun. I felt like I got chills. Like I got, like I had a present waiting to open it, and exactly. I didn't want to open it. I'm like, well, I'm going to save this. I'm going to save this on a train. Flight. I'm on a yeah. flight. Yeah, on a flight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like, and, and, you know, whatever the th- like, there will be some kid, some kid who's boozing hard as fuck at fucking thirty, and he's just like, he's like, I'm trying to get in stand up, but I keep getting fucked up at the clubs. And people from around the world have been hitting me up around the world. A guy that was like in uh, in uh, Denmark, like, like literally was pretty much as close to killing himself as you can get, and we just Facebook chatted for like three and a half hours. Yeah, and then a month later, he hit me up. He's like, "Dude, you saved my life that night." And, and I'm not saying this to brag, but in any way, no. shape, or form. And if anybody listening to this um, is struggling with any kind of addiction, feel free to hit me up on Facebook, Twitter, anything like that, and, and I'm there to talk to you because I've been there and I know what that's like and I know how it feels like there's no hope. But it's just like time takes time. You just got to get yourself a little time. And you know, if 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 I had those resources when I was 22, um, I would have taken advantage of them. And, uh, and I'm a hypocrite if I don't uh, uh, put myself out there to, to try to be of service to people that are, have the similar struggles that I do. Yeah. I've, yeah, I think, that, I think that's a really great way to look at it because that is the truth. You know, like, despite, despite what you say or, the, or, or what you talk about, yeah. what I derive out of it is I'm going to get it. We're all going to get different things. Sure. Like when I listened to you on Ari, I was just like, oh, the main thing I thought to myself was, I don't know if I'm that brave. Like, I don't know that I'm, if I'm that brave to share that much. I was like, wow, man, that is fucking like, and I sat there and I reassessed the way I looked at podcasts and like, and, and what I was doing on them. And was I, was I a promotional tool? Was I, I think that we have to have a little element of that. Yeah, but but also in having my own podcast, I was like, so what am I doing with my podcast? I remember thinking like, I remember I had someone on that week, and I, it was just like, I, b- I barely kind of knew them, and I was just like, so how did you get into comedy? And and I was like, what what the fuck is this? What am I doing? I was like, this is, and then I had like Duncan on right after that, and you know Duncan, such love. a genius man. Oh, dude. He goes, he goes, hey man, hard for, me, hard for me to love that idiot more. He's like, hey man, you got to be taking chances. What are you? Are you not in this to grow? Dude, one summer, Duncan and I did a hundred hit hits of acid in one summer. 
<laughs> and people were fucking do like we would go to a party and you know give everybody like a drop of acid to be a big acid party. And Duncan and I were doing like four or five because our tolerance was so high. <sighs> Duncan Trussell, I love. He really is. He's like, he came to my. He came here one time. We did a podcast, and I had a panic attack in the in the very beginning of it. I was just like spinning out, man. I was my book was coming out, and I just felt like I was. I felt fucking dis dishonest i felt like i was trying to sell things i felt like a like i was a, a huckster like i was just selling products and i didn't feel like i was connected to anything that got me into this business uh, you know i was right. doing fucking a photo shoot where i looked like the guy from national lampoon van wilder and i was like that's not me man that's not who i am like that's i have no connection to that fucking movie i have no pride in that movie right. i have no connection to at all whatsoever to that it, it's a footnote in my life that is an interesting little sidebar but it's not who it's you not, are it doesn't define you it not even rem- never would i say that to anyone that it defines me but then here i am doing it and i just fucking spun out and duncan this is the best one of the best podcasts i've ever been on dunk i've ever had done duncan just goes hey man let's do a guided meditation i was like what he's like yeah let's do a guided meditation all right calm down start breathing and he led me through like a fucking 30 minute meditation. And I was like, man, at one point I go, I go, I don't know. Is that, was that, a, I mean, are people going to listen to that? And he's like, who cares? It's free, man. Yeah. He's like, take chances. That the way he looks at life, I go, I need, that's one of those things where like taking chances, like really going out and putting yourself out there and going, Hey, and if it fails, it fails. He's one of those friends of mine that, uh, and I, and I'm very fortunate to have four or five of them. Where when I don't feel like me, I can call him and go get coffee or lunch and we can talk for an hour and I can leave that lunch and be like, ah, I needed that. Thanks, Dunko. I called him. I called him from Hawaii one time. I was fucking spinning out. One of those same things. Something oh, on the internet. spit out in Hawaii. Oh, dude. Fucking. I'll tell you. I'll tell you exactly what happened. Tracy Morgan did a Reddit. Now, I'm sure you've heard my Tracy Morgan story. Yes, yeah, of course. So um, he did a Reddit, and someone said, have you ever smoked PCP with Burt Kreischer? And Tracy Morgan's response was, I don't know Burt Kreischer. I never smoked PCP in my life, and I wish he'd stop telling that story. It's a lie. And I immediately, it's like almost like you feel like, even though you know you're not lying, you feel like you're going to be called a liar, and that's one of my biggest fears. Because yeah. I'm, like, I'm like, man, I, if nothing... I'm telling true stories, and if it looks like I'm lying, then, then, and and I was like, and I wanted to defend it, and I wanted to like, I wanted to go like, I never, you know, there's so much I said to a long time ago. I said to Rogan, I go, I wish that story had never gotten out because I knew for a fact there's no way Tracy would ever remember one night partying with me. I know that. Yeah. And and then the fact that it was someone else had kind of commandeered that story and said it happened to them. I was like, I know that he's never going to remember that it happened to them. And now that it's so convoluted, his only defense is going to be like, fuck that guy. And I was like fucking spinning out and I'm in Hawaii and I, sh- and I, and everyone's like, so, so what's the truth, Bert? And I'm not even, not everybody, two fucking tweets, enough. two fucking tweets enough. And I started spying out. I called Duncan and I go, dude, I'm fucking freaking out, man. And he's like, why? He's like, you know the truth. Yeah. Right. Don't worry about it. He's like, does it just, hey man. It goes back into that thing of fear of like not being enough, what people think of me, what people are judging me on, what people, you know, I work so hard to try to be honest and try to be myself. And then, you know, now, oh no, now the whole world's going to think I'm this and that. That that I'm fucked. Now the whole world is going to think what my head tells me. Oh, dude. And I wasn't wasn't drinking. 
Mm. Like I wasn't drinking, so I was like, because I was like, I'm with the girls. I should really enjoy Hawaii with them. I should stay sober. And immediately, I'm like, I'm like, let's, let's have a cocktail. Turn this fucking argument in my head off. And I call, but I called Duncan, and he was like, dude, it's not, it's not fucking real, man. Hey, buddy. And he's like, hey, man, you don't let yourself get in your head. Your head is not a safe place. Your head is an attic. You should not go up there by yourself without a flashlight. Yeah. You bring someone up there with you. Yes. And take a flashlight. Absolutely. And right. I was like, you're right. And then I was like. I was like, well, I've, I've said in my head, I've, I went down, I started breathing and I thought to myself, I've always said that when Tracy hears this story, he's not going to remember it. So what, what am I surprised about? Yeah. What am I surprised about? Yeah. You know? And I was like, I, and then in my head, I'm like, Tony Woods was there. Fucking, I, there was a bunch of people there. They all remember it happening. I was like, Bert, calm down. This is today. Your career does not end. Like I get one tweet like that. You know, and yeah. my head goes I, like if I don't calm down and pause, pausing is a big thing for me because without booze, my anger is just I go from zero to ten. Yeah. Um, my head goes, all right, let's fire up a tweet that challenges him to take a lie detector test. <laughs> you know, what does that prove? Yeah. It proves I'm vindictive. It proves I'm willing to throw somebody talented that has a whole fucking world of network television shit that he doesn't want out there. Uh, I throw him under the butt like. Yeah, in my head Wreckage. I was like, in my head I was like, hey man, you never told the story for a reason. You never told it for the reason that's happening right now. Yeah. You did everything right, and it got out of your control. And you need to fucking take a deep breath, and you need to own whatever the fuck happens. You just go, hey man, I know, I know where I'm at on this. I, I'm appreciative. I'll never. You don't. If you really don't want me telling that story, it's done. Yeah. You know, I won't tell it. I appreciate that, but I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. T- I'm not gonna go back on my word, but I, I appreciate your what you want. I don't. You know what? I got kids. Yep. One day my kids will hear fucking PCP and go, "Did you?" I go, "Look, it's probably just a fucking joint, and he was fucking with me." Yeah. But the point of the story is, whatever. Who gives a fuck? But it's intri- You know, that allowing your brain to like to be in charge of the fucking bad words. Yep. Fucking crazy. Yep. Yeah, it's an amazing, it's an amazing, uh, dude, we know more, more about outer space than we know about the brain. You know yeah. I mean, this thing is... I'm still shocked that we only use like 5% or 10% of our brain or 1% of our brain. And whoever said that probably only uses three. What do we trust on that schmuck? <laughs> Somebody just throws a statistic out and you're like, damn, that sounds about right. I definitely know I don't use 100 of mine, so <laughs> your story checks out. How am I going to fucking, your story checks out with me? How am I going to fucking, fuck this, and fact find this. <laughs> you're obviously smarter than me, so I'm going to go ahead and believe you. <laughs> sure thing, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 10%, that sounds about right. Oh. Well, cool, now I got a fucking free-for-all to fuck up as much as I want. Oh, God. You know? I always had a travel show idea where I want to, as an NFL fan, I want to go to every Monday night football game and sit in the worst seat in the entire stadium. Oh, that's a great with idea. With all the blue collar fans that really saved and paid for those tickets. Yeah. Versus, and have the opposite experience of the guy that sits and fucking gets the fucking gifted 50-yard line field passes and buys a jersey that day. I want to sit up there with the people that have jerseys from seven years the ago. The fucking nosebleeds. Players aren't even there anymore that are the diehard really fa- fans, you know? Call it the nosebleeders. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, that's the nosebleeders. That's a great fucking idea. You know? 
and just enjoy that experience with those people. Who gives a fuck about those people that pay $1,000 or get gifted fucking 50-yard line seats that the real fans can't afford? I said, I said to my wife, we just got Rams, Rams season tickets. They're okay. Did you put in for it or did yeah. you get them? Oh, it was really – I put in for it and then – you had to pay like 100 bucks to put in? To put in, in and, but, and that was – but they – it didn't fucking work like that. Yeah. It, it was impossible to get tickets. One of my friends got them and then I just bought four off him. And so we have them for the season. We're going to see if we like them. It was really affordable, to be honest with you. But I was going to... It won't be in two years. I know. It's, I, well, I'm not going to be able to afford it. it. Really, there's no way. It's going to be like $50,000 uh, licensing seat. It's going to be retarded. And so I'm... And I, they'll get it because it's LA. Yeah. But guess what, man? In three years, those... Fit, it's uh, Atlanta Falcons are doing this cool new thing that... Uh, they're building this new stadium, which is just going to be gorgeous. Opens up next season, not this season. And... All of their concession prices, like $2 hot dogs, $4 beers, everything's like nineteen seventy, but not for like the first season, permanently. Really? Yeah, because, dude, why go to these NFL games? And I love the NFL. It's 200, you want to take your family to an NFL game? There's a thousand bucks. Yeah. And, and that's just tickets. And when I can sit in my fucking apartment, watch it in HD, not have to deal with parking, not have to deal with fucking fans, not have to deal with getting shanked by a Raiders fan, not have to deal with all the fucking drama. They're going to have to start doing something to put to get us fans to put our asses in those seats. Yeah. Because I get the NFL experience at home. Dude, I love when getting the package here and you just fucking sit there and just flip it through. I love that. Yeah. The... I, you're right, man. It's it's. I, I won't be able to afford it when they go to the new stadium. I just it's too expensive. It's There's, just going to be. It's damn. You're going to be papered. They'll probably have two thousand tickets. They're shitty ass seats that Joe Blow can afford, and the rest of it are agents and managers giving tickets to people and people that can who can afford a fucking forty thousand dollar fucking licensing fee and all that shit. I don't know who can afford. I'm being dead serious when I go. I don't know how that can be legal. I don't know how you expect a town to have civic pride. When you when only rich people get to go to the games, yeah, you can't, and that's always been LA's problem. That's why there hasn't been a team here in twenty years. Yeah, because everybody here is a fan of the Bears or the Eagles or the fucking oh, everybody got, here <laughs> is not from here. Everyone's texting me and they're like, "Hey man, let me know when your Seattle game comes up." <laughs> like you're like, and it's, and it's so funny is that a lot of people didn't get season tickets because they're like, "Well, no, I'll just go to the fucking." When the Broncos play out here, or when the fucking Bucks exactly play out here, I'll, I'll go to that game. It's exactly what it is. It's exactly what it is. Yeah. And that's always been LA's problem with that shit. It's like, oh. you know, everybody's... Dude, when I got out of here, I became a Clipper fan just because I hated Laker fans so much. Oh, I became a Clipper fan because I was like, oh, I can go to that game. Yeah, dude, I, back in the... When I got here when they were still playing at the Forum, you got there early enough, you're starting. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, <laughs> I, I, I had four free throws against the fucking Nuggets back in fucking 97. <laughs> you know? Oh. And it's like, fuck the... It, and now these Laker fans that have been busting my balls about the Clippers for 15 years show up in Golden State jerseys. I'm like, you cunt. I finally get an I told you so. And now you're wearing a Golden State Warriors? Dude, California. Fuck you. It's fucking ridiculous. Ridiculous. Games on Thursday? I think so. That's going to be good. Yeah, if you want to money... I mean... The only way to make money is throw money on Cleveland winning at all. Yeah. I mean, you throw 50 bucks on that, you could probably walk away with 500, but. Really? Well, them to win two in a row is probably not going to happen. Yeah. I got a buddy in Chicago that is betting because they're doing so good on every single Cubs game. And he's killing it. Really? Yeah, because, I mean, they they win 10 and lose one. Yeah. Dude, throw 100 bucks on that. You're just making money. This could be a fun November. Oh. 
I don't even want to say it. I don't even want to say it. I've been a Cubs fan. I've been to more Cubs games than I've been to anything. Really? Yeah, I grew up Cubs fan. Grew up right outside Chicago, so I've always loved the Cubs. But, you know, you love them the same way you love, like, you know, a girlfriend who's, like, slightly retarded. <laughs> like, if I break up with her, I'm just an asshole. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> She's taking her meds. Shit's working out. <laughs> They'll be her time in the sun. If I dump her now, I'm just a dick. You know what I mean? Then she wins the fucking Special Olympics, and I'm not there to hold her hand and wipe her chin from the fucking, you know? <laughs> like, I'm just a dick if I dump them. So, you know, I've always loved the Cubs. I've been to more Cubs games than anything. I went to a couple when I was um, when I was back in Chicago, when I, you know, after I got out of rehab and shit, I went to a couple Cubs games. And, really? Yeah, just, dude, it's the best. That's the world's biggest singles bar. That's what they call it. Oh. I, I used to go to Cubs games, like, in the 90s, and we would drink, drink, drink. I remember sitting under Harry Carey. When I was in college, and we sat under Harry Carey, and we're like, every time we see that waitress go in there with a tray of beers, we got to order beers, me and my three buddies. And in the fifth inning, I'm fucking black. I'm like black. We couldn't keep up with Harry Carey. You know, I'm 22, and I could drink. I've always been able to drink. Like, dude, there was no keeping up with that guy. But you would leave the bar. I mean, you would leave the, the that's great. You would leave Wrigley Field, <laughs> yeah. or the world's biggest singles bar, and then you would go to, you know, spill out in all these other bars you'd be like did the cubs win i was at the game yeah i even remember but you just (laughs) would have so much fucking fun and it's always sold out i remember being in a bar in chicago in like 96 95 and everyone in the bar was chanting we're number four (laughs) we're number four about it (laughs) they don't give a fuck dude that's if 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 they win if the cubs win the world series it'll be that's a game you want to go to. That'll be the the biggest party in that town. You, no one's ever, no. I promise you, no sports anything has ever seen anything like that. If the Cubs win the World Series, oh, that will be fucking legendary. It'd be unbelievable. It would be unbelievable. Bigger than Boston. Oh yeah, hundred three years. Yeah, hundred three years. I remember I was with Gary Goldman when Boston won the pennant, and they were when they won the series. And Gary Goldman was like, "I'm seeing history, Bert." I'm seeing history. Yeah. I was like, I was with uh, Chris Porter with Kansas City won. Oh, were you really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's fucking great. He's funny I as love shit. Chris Porter. He is funny as fucking shit. The nicest guy. That's a weird thing about this business is you. That dude st- knows st- his music, bro. Yeah, Chris he does. Por- and Black Crow is top five for me. Really? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, my top, top five. My top five. I Who think are your top five. I think it's got to be. Uh, I think Wilco's probably number one. Wilco's two. Uh, Blind Melon is in there. Uh, fuck, that's hard for me to say. It's tough. That's a tough one. Bieber. <laughs> <laughs> that's my two. Skrillex, Diplo. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I think I'd, I think I'd have to say uh, in there. I'd have to put hip hop. I'd have to say Tupac. Tupac's probably my top five. Maybe Biggie, but. Outcast, oh Outcast, I saw them at the House of Blues. Oh, did you really? Yeah, like right when they like right when like is this is this right when the when the beef was going down? Yeah, because I remember hearing a story about Outcast talking about that. Yeah, about right across from the store. Yeah, yep. And they were saying something to the effect that like there was that there was the East Coast West Coast thing, and there were people were like wanting them to pick a side or something. I forget that. Where did I hear that? I don't. I don't know. It's a pretty popular. Is it story? Yeah, yeah. Uh, maybe. And they were like, "We pick music." 
Yeah. They're like, we picked a side of music. Like, I don't give a fuck. You know, it's... Andre 3000 is a guy I like to have on the podcast. Oh, I bet. I mean, if I, if, if I met Big I Boy... I was surprised him as Jimi Hendrix didn't take off more. I know. Because when you heard about that casting, you were like, oh, fuck yeah. Yeah, well, how does oh, a movie like yeah. that just disappear? I don't know. I don't know. I, you know what movie I really wanted to see was the uh, Don Cheadle uh, remake, uh, Don Cheadle biopic of uh, of Miles Davis. Oh yeah, but it's it's a fictional story inside Miles Davis's life. So like they made it up. Mm-hmm. Did you hear about that? Yeah, mm-hmm. I would like want to see that. I also want to see that Ethan Hawke movie about uh, Chet Baker. Oh, dude. I love Chet Baker. Dude, Chet Baker. Chet Baker. I love Chet Baker. I love to hear, like, I. It's rare I go five days without listening to Chet Baker. Really? Chet Baker Sings is one of the greatest albums in, of six, in 60 years. Chet Baker Sings? Chet, I gotta grab my phone and see what, what fucking. Chet Baker Sings is so great, and he rarely would sing. You know, he was a trumpet, cornet player for. He was virtually a studio musician for Sinatra and a lot of those guys. Yep. And Chet Baker Sings is about eh, maybe about 12 songs of him playing uh, a trumpet. Maybe he plays piano on some of it, too. But I think he just plays and sings. And what an incredible voice. What an incredible, incredible voice. Uh, love Chet Baker. Um, the, another movie I wanted to that, uh, that is still like on again, off again, on again, off again, on again, off again is... Um, Sasha Baron Cohen is Freddie Mercury. What? And, yeah, and he was going for at first. The band wouldn't sign off on it. Then he decided to star and direct, and then the band signed on. And then for another reason, it's now off again. But that's really? been going on for about a year and a half of Sasha Baron Cohen playing Freddie Mercury. And if you look at a picture of Sasha Baron Cohen and you look at a picture of Freddie Mercury. You're like, and they're both English, and he's a good fucking actor. I mean, yeah. everybody knows him as a comedic actor, but talk about commitment. He's he fucking... would murder as Freddie Mercury. And I don't know why he keeps going on again, off again, but man, Freddie Mercury with Sasha Baron Cohen, I, I would be very, very stoked to see that movie. Let's see what I got on my... Oh, Jane's Addiction would mm. be up there. Jane's Addiction's pretty Jane's good. Addiction's Rock and Roll is one of my favorite fucking Jane's songs. Jane's Addiction's up there. Yeah, Prince, uh, Wilco, Tupac... Uh, Ryan Adams, Black Crows. That's probably my five right there. I mean, it's that's a tough thing to do. You know, people are always like, dude, if you could only have one sandwich on a desert island, you're like, dude, if I, I don't know. <laughs> I can tell you which sandwiches it wouldn't be. <laughs> I don't know, man. Wouldn't be a BMT. Yeah, <laughs> a BMT wouldn't be a McRib. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to see what else I have in here that I love that I can't get enough of, but like. Chet Baker, man, what a great reference, Chet Baker. Um, Nick Drake, you know Nick Drake? Yeah. Dude, what a, I mean. I went through a huge Nick Drake period. Me too. And Dude, to, to overdose on antidepressants accidentally? Yeah. How depressed must you have been? Did you ever listen to Sparkle Horse? Yeah, of course. Love Sparkle yeah. Horse. Um, trying to see what other, what other, what I got in here. You know, a lot of those like 70s and 60s guys that were like, you know, you almost look at them as like these, like how a lot of, you know, you're, oh, you know, Van Gogh and Renoir and all these, they died yeah. totally broke and nothing. And now their shit's worth millions and millions and millions. And it, and it defined a movement in art. But it was long after those people were gone. Yeah. And they dedicated their lives to this art almost to the point of insanity. Yeah. And then they pass away and they don't, you know, it's so sad they don't get to see the, you know, I mean, you look at someone like Nick Drake or, 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 
I mean, Nick Drake, all of his shits in commercials and, and you know, all these people that put, put his music in movies like Garden State. There's a couple of Nick Drake songs in Garden State um, where you're like, fuck, man. How, 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 you know, how did I not know, know this guy until I was in my 30s? I, and then you go back and listen to all the shit. You're like, what a brilliant, brilliant is it, why songwriter. Is it, why doesn't that happen with comics as much? Or does it? Is that what happened to Bill Hicks? I think... You know, I love Bill Hicks, and and you know, you, but you listen to a lot of his later stuff. And the same thing with Kinnison, and Rogan says that a lot. You listen to a lot of Kinnison's later, later stuff. It wasn't really that brilliant. It wasn't really that, but it's the earlier stuff. It's the groundbreaking stuff. It's the stuff where they were willing to take a chance for everybody. Yeah. You know, um, you, you know, you ever drive through like Colorado or whatever, and you go through those tunnels that are really long, just drilled into the side of a mountain. Most of those people drilling that hole died. You know what I mean? Yeah. Most of you know, you wouldn't, but you wouldn't even be able to drive through that if it wasn't for those pioneers that drilled through. And there is some sort of, I like to, I owe a bit of gratitude to every single person that did comedy before me. Yeah. You know, and I, and I have, a, I, I, I have a sense of camaraderie with all the people that are doing it with me, whether I like your set or not, whether I, and that's why like when a comic dies and they have like one of the, you know, I've been to five or six comedy funerals at the store and people show up. I mean, that's, you'll never see a room that packed and you'll never, and people get up and they talk about the gigs that you did together and the times that you had and the, the times where you both slept in the same bed in some shitty fucking comedy condo and the, you know. You, we have no concept of how we affect other people, but even more so the people that we see every day. Yeah. You know, and a lot of times it's hindsight. And, and, and my attraction to drugs and alcohol was that it always made me present. Yeah. And a lot, of, a lot of my attraction to comedy is that it makes me present. When I'm on stage and I'm in that time vacuum of you have one hour, dude, how many hour sets have you had that felt like 10 minutes? Yeah, you know, a great deal, and you're yeah. like, damn, and you don't even remember what you said, and you you're don't like, even remember. I what. wish someone had written that down. Yeah, yeah, and 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 that's because it's a time, it's a little vacuum of time, where time is you're just present, you're present for one hour, and then I get off stage and I'm like, fuck, man, I'm so scared of what's coming in December. I got to go, got this court date in six months. I'm not thinking about nothing but right now when I'm on stage. Yeah, and now and and in sobriety and as an flawed human just like everybody else is i have this incredible inability to be present i'm either in so much fear of the future or i'm in so much regret of yesterday that i'm not now and it's a practice that's why meditation is so big because it just centers you to be now and and if i was coked up or drunk or stoned i couldn't be anything else but that you said it eloquently earlier when you're like let me have a couple cocktails and shut this fucking argument up in my head yeah that was my attraction to drugs and alcohol because it shut it up and now I'm present. The problem is I'm extremely annoying when I'm drunk present. <laughs> yeah. My life becomes extremely unmanageable. I've never had a landlord that liked me when I was drinking. <laughs> I've never had a girlfriend that trusted me when I was drinking. I've never liked myself when I was drinking. Now, I like that one-hour window when it shuts up. Yeah. But everything after that is chaos. Yeah. And I am completely riddled with the inability to be of service to anybody else but my drinking when I'm drinking. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's and 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 whatever it is, the universe or God or whatever anybody believes in has given me this goofy talent 
to make other people laugh and forget about their problems for small increments of time, whether I'm on a podcast saying retarded, stupid shit, or whether I'm on stage talking about my dick or whatever the fuck it is. Um, And I don't have the ability to use that gift for good if drugs or alcohol are in my life. Does that make any sense? Yeah, no, that would be the fucking, that would be my tap out. I probably, probably like if it got to the place where I couldn't perform unless I was drunk or I, or, or it was effect. If Dude, I drink- couldn't brush my teeth unless I was drunk, <laughs> you know what I mean, man? It fuck performing. I just go back to another Kyle Kinane joke. Performing. Kyle Kinane was like, what do you do when you're brushing your teeth so hungover and you throw up on your toothbrush? Do you, what do you do? Okay. You, do you keep brushing your teeth? And, <laughs> right. Do you count just that one? Call it a wash. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Phone it in. Phone it in. Well, this has been awesome, man. We're about like two thirty right now. I gotta wow. go. I gotta take the girls. The girls, I think, got their orthodontist stuff off. Oh, really? Yeah, I'm wow, dying to hear. What, I'm dying to hear what they sound like. Both? I think. I think wow. Isla. I don't know. I'm about to find out. But uh, and I gotta go somewhere with my fucking wife tonight. But uh, dude, we gotta do this again. Again, again, again. Uh, this has been, dude. I, it's we like, gotta have you on Punch Young too, dude. I'm fucking around. Let's do it. Yep. Let's do it. I'm a. Uh, I could literally talk to you for fucking hours. I really could. Yeah, we usually do. It's just not with microphones in our hands. So any, Fuck, yeah. At any time. Let's what do you, uh, anything you want to promote? Yeah, I got a couple gigs I, I want to plug. Um, uh, April 33rd to the 38th, I'll be at Chuckle Fuckers. I'll be at the Collarbone every fifth Friday of February. Um, here's a big gig I'm stoked for. I'll be at Heckler's in Detroit, Michigan on their big bring your own slingshot or machete and get in free weekend. <laughs> then I'll be at Lollapalooza in Chicago. I'll be headlining a porta potty tent towards the end of the night. So if you're there and you need to crap or puke, come by and have some laughs. Uh, all other dates, fax me. Oh, this is fucking awesome, man. Well, I appreciate you doing this, man. I love I, you I so much, man. I you're one this. of the guys I admire and I love, and I, I love watching you. You're the, you, you're the one of the bravest dudes I know. Just You're most so fucking honest. I listen to you anytime I see you on anything. Thank you, brother. So you're the fucking best, man. Thank you for doing this. I love you too, man. I love you, brother. This episode was brought to you by The Machine.